Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer Galaxy. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer. Okay, stop that. Now I've got to do it over again a third time. (laughs) Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer. Yeah, now I'm completely flubbed on it. Okay, great. Now it's now you're in your own head about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. The zombies. (laughs) No, they're my brain. Welcome to the. Welcome to Preferred Enemies. <laughs> God damn it, Kevin. Don't laugh Sorry. when I'm about to... <laughs> I was just laughing at the fact that you got like you've you've gotten successfully like l- like least far into the introduction each time and I was like that's really fun. Sorry. It's okay. Okay. Oh. <sighs> happy place, happy place. <laughs> Five, four, three. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that knows that we just need to let the galaxy burn sometimes. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yes, today we are going to be looking at the brand new Codex Chaos Space Marines, and we'll be telling you 10 things you need to know about the new book. Uh, But before we delve into the Trader Legion goodness, uh, as always, news and new releases. Uh, We have no listener mail this episode, so we're going to move right into our review after news and new releases. And uh, obviously, I think the biggest news over the last two weeks, I know for Dennis, it's probably the Hearthkin models. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, those look neat. They also put some more um, information out. And yeah, anything about Legions of Votan, I'm gobbling up and reading because yeah. I'm actually really excited for it. I think I might have said that a couple of times. A, a, a few times, yeah. Yeah, even though I, I don't say- need another army, but but yeah, I, I'll pay, be picking them up. I will say the models do look really slick. I like how they have like the, the Ironkin mixed in so you can have your robot buddy... Oh yeah, I love that. With another squad of uh, of Hearthkin warriors. The only thing I'm concerned about is I, I probably will either be painting with my glasses off a lot for those I'm nearsighted because the models are so tiny. Because you saw the little one of them next to the Space Marine, it was like half the size. I'm like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's it's and gonna- so I picked up a squad of the of the squats for Necromunda because. GW finally released squats models in plastic for the first time in 30 years. So I'm like, all right, fine. I need to buy these. Um, and yeah, they are tiny. They are very small. Uh, they are on 20, 25 mil bases. So, oh, wow. But yeah, like they, they come up to about half the size of a space marine. Um, so yeah, the leagues of Otan are not going to be very big. Um, but that's, that's what we wanted. We wanted space dwarfs. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, it sounds perfectly long. It just, when you see them, I'll say out of context, just with amongst themselves, they look like normal size. Cause, well, for yeah. them, that is normal size. But I'm just now thinking to like, if I attempt to try and paint detail, it's just going to be very small. And that well, yeah, it's like, cause you, you look at the models and it's like, man, those bolters they're carrying are huge. No, those are normal human size bolters. They're just very short. <laughs> they're just very huge on them. Yeah. Very small. Also, also, they're in squads of 10 to 20, so yeah. this is going to be a, a horde army, theoretically. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I view it a lot more like sisters, 
and I would not call Sisters of Battle a Horde army. Eh, fair. But you can take they their can squads be, up to 20. But... Yeah. If you want a very bulky troop size, or you can take a smaller, more elite troop size. Yeah, yeah I guess it'll really come down to what other things they're bringing, because like, all we've seen so far are the Hearthkin and the Trikes. I like the and Trikes. The Trikes are cool, uh, but we haven't seen like what their heavier stuff is, so... Yeah. Uh, it'll be. I, you know, I still we're still just slowly robot. getting this. Oh, I, I imagine like I like was the uh, the Iron Man, the robot that was in uh, Blackstone Fortress. I would not be surprised if they have equivalents of that or like OG Castellans like that have been upgraded over the last <laughs> ten thousand years or so. Wow. Well, and and just judging by the stuff that they had from you know, previous versions of the, of the, of the game and stuff, we know that we're going to get some version of exosuits. Like we're going to get some version of squat Terminator armor because right, if, they have if like we, the ancestor if, armor. Yeah. If we don't, then what's, what's, what are we even doing? <laughs> yeah. And, and like, the we're leaking helicopter things. And, oh uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, with these extra new releases, the question becomes how soon are they coming? Is it still going to be a few months? Cause they, I mean, it feels like they've trickled, they've kept a consistent pace of trickle because we keep on saying, Oh, here's another one that must mean we're coming sooner. But the pace has been pretty consistent on the trickle. So releasing pictures it, of the entire squad means that they're a lot closer than I thought they were. Yeah. I, I, I thought well, that like maybe August, but it might be September, October. I don't know. It, I'm, I, I'm still, still I'm thinking still September, fall. October. Yeah, I'm still thinking yeah. it's a fall release. Um, but yeah, I think definitely bleeding stuff out to keep the hype train going is, is oh, serving yeah. them well. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, but uh, as far as the the other big news, we talked last episode about Warzone Nephilim and the changes to missions and matched play in there. But the other thing that came out after our last recording was the new points and the new balance data slate. First off, again, kudos to Games Workshop for releasing the points points values for free. Yeah. Um, having that just available online, something they can update as necessary without having to go through the uh, the print, print cycle. cycle. So, like, <laughs> yeah, because like if they don't if if a unit ends up being underpowered or overpowered, they can quickly tweak the points by updating a document, which is good. It's interesting to see what the big changes were. I don't think anyone is terribly surprised that uh, Tyranids and Tau got hit particularly hard. Yep. Some, like, like I want to say Mechanicus didn't really change much at all. Eldar felt like all the points got raised a little, which didn't seem like much until you try and build something. When you like add it up, having, yeah. Yeah, then you have to, like, cut out a unit, it felt like. Yeah. Tyranids, so, and, 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 it was mostly, like, the big stuff. Like, their monstrous creatures got bumped up. Aside from that, like, and warriors got a little more expensive. Everything else kind of stayed the same. Yeah, it's just they, they they targeted the the big power units that everyone's been really leaning mm. into. So, it, I mean, it makes sense. Sororitas got a lot of points drops. Sacrosense dropped two. Zephyrim and Seraphim dropped two points from all. Castigators, like their vehicles dropped 10 to 15 points. Custodes only really got hit with Trajan going up 40 points. And they had he already nerfed him. It. He probably needed it, but they had already nerfed him on top of that. So it really makes him not a must-have anymore. 
which is good. He shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, Mechanicus got a couple of minor tweaks. Guard got even more free stuff. Like, almost all their war gear options are now free. The only thing they really have to pay for are power fists. Power fists? What are those? <laughs> Actually, I guess power fists are still in there, so sorry. They're, they're strength six <laughs> weapons. No, I just... Being salty about something we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grey Knight Land Raiders and Razorbacks and Storm Ravens got cheaper. Um, there's a number of changes in Space Marines, not so much in the individual units, although like jump packs for assault squads are free. A uh, number of the vehicles, like the Repulsor, the Executioner, the Gladiator, like the newer vehicles dropped like 15 to almost 35 in some cases. The Land Raider oh, dropped th- 20. And here I thought you were going to say those were free too. No. <laughs> Bobby G Bobby G on the other hand drops 80 points. Oh my. If that's if I'm guessing space nobody's marine, taking him. If those space marine vehicles were free then people might start taking them, but even then I don't know. <laughs> uh Blood Angel Death Company players are happy because Astrath dropped 10 points, Death Company dropped 2 points, Sanguinary Guard dropped 2 points, so they they got cheaper. Uh Space Wolves got Hounds of Morkai a bit cheaper. Yay. <laughs> then, you know, those things that nobody was taking. Yeah. The flyers got cheaper. I still haven't put my flyer together. Yeah, I'm not missing <laughs> anything. Death Guard, Mortarian dropped 40 points. Oh, I thought you were going to say pounds. No, no. <laughs> no, he put on 40 pounds, but he, and that's a good healthy boy for, uh, for a Plague Marine. But uh, no, Mortarian drops 40 points. Plague Marine special weapons and upgrades are all free now. So, like, you can take Blight Launchers and... I thought Death Guard were still good. Are they just not good enough? I mean, they're they're even better now. Well, that's that's my point. They were firmly middle of the pack. Like, they were... That was the thing. They had good options, but they were not, like, overall, like, a a, a, great, uh, great faction. So, like... Being able to, there's a problem for them is that they couldn't take enough bodies because everything was so expensive. So giving some of them, giving them some of that stuff for free allows them to actually put more on the table and play objectives a little bit easier and stuff like that. So I I don't know that it's going to point drops are going to necessarily make them like uber competitive by themselves, but they're still going to be a very good like middle to upper middle tier army, I think. Well, and everything I've been seeing online is that their their secondary objectives in Nephilim are so much better now that they're like yes. like for example, like spread sickness, you no longer take mortal wounds to do it and stuff like that. It's like it's way easier to score everything. And between mm-hmm. that and oh, and their terminators got cheaper. Yes. So <laughs> everything Poxwalkers got cheaper, so it's just like not only can they put more on the board, but they're better at utilizing it. They've got potential to really move up the top tier. Yeah, with all with all like everything coming together, Thousand Suns get a slightly similar treatment. A number of their options are free. Their Warp Flamers and Soul Reapers got cheaper. All their vehicles dropped in cost. Magnus is thirty points cheaper. Orcs, uh, their troops got like a point cheaper across the board. Which on the first hand, like on one hand, it's like well, one point that's not that much. And then you remember how many bodies orcs take, and that adds up <laughs> yeah. real fast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Those were those were basically the one point increases that they got when the codex originally came out because they all went yeah. up a point when that codex came out. So. And they're like, "Oh, that was a mistake," and pulled that back. 
the Squigasaur boss, Squig Buggies got cheaper. The Kill Rig dropped 20 points. So there, the orcs look to be in a decent place as far as points. And as far as like the data slate, the balance slate goes, like they can take more buggies again. Yeah. Oh, that's good. A Necrons, most of their characters dropped in, in price. The Silent King's price dropped to 400 points. Not by 400 points, to 400 points. So just to be clear there. Um, all the Satan got cheaper. Uh, Immortals are a little bit cheaper. Lich Guard are cheaper. And uh, with the additional changes to the data slate for them, they're in a really good position. Yeah. Uh, I could see Necrons taking a huge leap after this because they're... yeah. Everything getting core is uh, huge. <laughs> Gene Steeler Colts didn't really change much of anything. Yeah, Nids, Maliceptors up 50. Hive Tyrants up 20. Uh, heavy Venom Cannon Harpies cost 35 points more. Raveners and Warriors are up 5 points each. Pyrovores. Pyrovores got a point up, crease. That's we're in the upside down times now. <laughs> It's like before you before this new codex, it's like 10 points. Is that how many points I gain by taking a pyrovore because they're that bad? And now they're <laughs> apparently need to be nerfed. So I don't know what to think anymore. Tau commanders are 10 points more expensive. Crisis teams are 10 points more expensive per body. Bodyguards are five points more expensive per body, which I think gets them to the same price. Uh, plasma weapons all went up by like five points on every pick. Broadsides are 10 points more. Storm surges are 70 points more. So that triple storm surge list is probably not going to be a thing, really. Yeah, that's fair. Probably never should have been. <laughs> no, it shouldn't have been. But broadsides going up in 10 points plus the balanced data slate change hurts them a bit. And yeah, so it's like this, the good stuff in Tau is definitely more expensive, which is going to bring them down a bit. Yeah, Craft World Eldar, most of your characters went up 5. Phoenix Lords went up 10. Most of the Aspect Warriors, not all of them, but most of them went up like 1 to 2 points. I think Dark Reapers stayed the same. Uh, Scatter Laser (laughs) Jet Bikes went up 5 points. What year is it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they just, they're the same points as the Shuriken Cannons, which I'm back down to. I've pulled out my old Twin Shuriken Catapult models and that's what i've been using recently because they get four shots they still have the shuriken thing and they're cheaper i mean a lot cheaper Mm -hmm. it's kind of like why wouldn't you use that instead uh yeah falcons and wave serpents went up five points which is negligible but it's there vectored engines cost 10 points more so if you're doing vectored engine wave serpents that's 15 total uh drukari went down uh witches went down a point and that's it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Yay. Yeah, but I believe the Blood Brides and the Trueborn all went up at one point. And then Death Jesters went up 15 points. That's the only change for Harlequins on top of the changes that had already been applied to, like, Void Weavers and such. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this definitely takes the top armies and pulls them down a bit. Uh, we'll see how this starts shaking out as events start hitting that are using Nephilim and all these points. So uh, I imagine the meta is going to shift significantly in the the next month. Um, we're going to see, I mean, between the CP changes, the new missions, the new set, or actually new missions, the missions didn't really change. The only thing that changed is how fast you generate CP. 
Mm-hmm. But um, but like half starting at half command points, and with all the the way secondaries have been changed, and then with these points changes, and then we move on to the balance stage slate. I think we're in a completely shaken up field now, and that's good. That is good. Yeah. That is healthy for the game. So I'm not complaining about that. As far as the the balanced data slate, uh, there are some. It, it's this is in addition to the balanced data slate that was released like what it feels like two months ago. Like it, it, <laughs> like these have been coming faster than uh, because there were obvious problems, you know, in in balance before, you know, and so they had fixed them and now they're tweaking them again. Uh, so the new things, um, Armor of Contempt is still around. It is now also being applied to Astra Militarum vehicles, which is cool. I think that that makes sense. Like Lehman Russ's being able to shrug off more more firepower makes sense. I still don't know how I feel about that being applied to vehicles and non, non-power armor, but yeah, I, I understand it. <laughs> At least it is just the vehicles for guard and not on guardsmen. <laughs> so, <sighs> yeah. No, I it's it's fine. I just it's I still just don't know if I if I like that rule being applied to vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh Lehman Russ and uh Astra Militarum Titanic models have a two up armor save. That I'm fine with. Because <laughs> <laughs> they should. Like, those are tough tanks. They should have a two up armor save. <laughs> right. Cause it it is weird that they didn't have like right. especially like Bane Blades. It's weird that they didn't have <laughs> yeah, like I think the Lehman Russ already had a two up, but it's weird that a Lehman Russ should be tougher than a Bane Blade, so Here's your super heavy Bane Blade. It has a four up armor save. What? <laughs> it's big, but it's made of paper mache. <laughs> I don't know if this made it into our last episode, but uh didn't you say you could take a Bane Blade as your five hundred points for a, yes. uh, a, a Gene Steeler cult bird brothers I, detachment? Yeah. Because I think even if you kit it out like completely I th- with like extra last cannons and stuff, I believe it tops out at like four seventy five. So if you want to take a Bane Blade with your Gene Steeler Colts, you absolutely can. I don't know why you would, but you absolutely could. <laughs> Also, um, weapons upgrades on super heavy tanks are now free, except for las cannons, which are twenty points cheaper. So you could fit even more. <laughs> okay, so it tops out at like four hundred points now. <laughs> <laughs> Tyranids. Oh, it's not a good time to be a Tyranid player uh, if for this balanced state slate. Or maybe it's maybe it is now a time to be a normal time as a Tyranid player instead of being a great time to be a Tyranid player. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean. I haven't really gotten to play my Tyranids prior to this, so it'll be interesting to, like, I'm kind of curious, I want to kind of play my Tyranids with all of these nerfs and, like, still see how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I still have a feeling I might be, like, pleasantly surprised at how powerful the army still is. Yeah, I think it'll be fine, it's just not going to be the, oh god, easy win button that it is right now. Uh, so those changes are, if your army has a hive tyrant, one of them has to be your warlord. Uh, I'm fine with that. That's very fluffy and appropriate. That right. should be kind of a and thing. And you can still only have one hive tyrant per detachment. So Right. Synaptic imperative only works if your warlord is on the table. That is a noticeable change. Yeah. Um, which also also means if your warlord is, like, if you have a, a winged hive tyrant in deep strike, you don't get synaptic imperative until he drops in. Yep. And uh, and then the the big one and this one like 
hits at the very concept of the codex and something we really chatted up when we did our review. Your adaptive trait must be selected pre-game during army building. Yeah, that's dumb. That That's I, a bad choice, I think. It seems very adaptive, right? Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, or, or the opposite of that. Or the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm looking at like the, the Goonhammer notes and like they said, basically, they just removed that mechanic. So that's great news for a codex. It's a month old. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, yeah, that's that's basically that is the balanced data, data slate equivalent of the reaction gif of I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like like the adaptive traits. It would be okay if, like, say, when you were making your army, you had to pick what adaptive trait the list is going to use, but then you don't have to, like, you can choose pre-game whether you use the base adaption or the hyper adaption. Yeah. See, I think that would be real. That, w- that would be a good middle ground. Right. Like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. You have to pick one pregame, but you can use either either the original adaptive trader you knew. And yeah, that would make total sense. And it would still allow the army to kind of do its thing, but be toned down. Right. And yeah, so that that one and and, and I don't know if that like I, I would need to go back and read a lot of like battle reports and things like that from tournaments. But it never really seemed like that was the thing I was hearing about as being the problem, you know? Like, it was usually the ridiculous number of mortal wounds that, like, Maliceptor spam and could pour out. And it's like, well, the points help adjust that. And toning down synaptic imperatives adjusts that a bit. This seems like an unnecessary hit. Yeah. They they might re like this might be something they correct later so hopefully we'll, right we'll I see I, that I just don't back. know if there's a because there are so many like of the hyper adaptions if there's just like uh the idea of making you pick that ahead of time was supposed to like streamline the process I don't know that I'd heard anything about it. Like taking too much time during pregame of of people like going and trying to figure out exactly which hyper adaptions they're going to take at the start of the game, mm. but I could see that as maybe a possible reason why. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's an it's an odd choice to be sure. Uh, Mechanicus got some of their their previous balance nerfs rolled back because. They had been firmly kicked to the curb in recent months, <laughs> which is is interesting because they were like once the scariest army on the table, and now no one cares. And so yeah. they're like, "Well, maybe we hit you too hard. Let's roll that back a bit." Well, um, for for comparison, um, at Midwest Conquest, do you want to know how many Mechanicus armies there were in the event? I know there was one in the friendly. Beyond yep. that, how many? There That's was it? one total. In, there was one total in the room. There was zero Mechanicus players in the competitive event. That's how yeah, thoroughly it, they got stomped off their last uh, their last uh, balance update. So it's and, good to see to, that get rolled back. And to put that in comparison, I beat that Mechanicus army with my pre-new Codex Chaos, but my one wound Chaos Space Marines. So, Oof. and yeah. you're a bad player. So yeah, 
<laughs> I, I mean, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. But <clears throat> yeah. I mean, why do you think I run the events? I don't want to like play it and have to show people my record after. I run the friendly event so I don't have to be friendly. <laughs> right. <laughs> um let's see, no changes for Ducari, no changes for Space Marines. Actually, no new changes for Tau. They had already lost core on broadsides. So broadsides are just even less good now that they're more expensive. No changes for Death Guard. Uh, Chaos Space Marines got a change, but we'll talk about that when we get to the Codex review. Do you want to do Craft Worlds or Necrons next? Does it matter? We'll do Necrons. Okay, we'll do Necrons, and then we'll come back yeah. to Craft Worlds. Um, Necrons. Big change to Command Protocols, a, co- a mechanic that is so confusing, I still haven't fully parsed out what this change actually means. But apparently, okay, so your command protocols, you had to pre-program them in for each turn of the game. And there were, if I remember right, there are six of them, so there's always one that isn't used. Now the one that isn't used is always in play. Hmm. Okay. So, like, you can pick one thing, and that is always active. And if it happens to match your your dynasty then you do get like where like command protocols had like it could be one of two things and if it was the one that matched your dynasty you got both of them you could pick the one that is good for your dynasty as the command protocol that's always in play and get both benefits all game long well that seems nice yeah also you no longer have to have a noble to get command protocols it is now just any necron character so your like your cryptex, for example, can still broadcast your uh, like the command protocols. So that's much more flexible. That's good. And now Necrons have core on all their vehicles. Yeah, all of them. At this point, there are fewer things in the codex that don't have core than that have core. <laughs> Like, so much of that book gets benefits from being core that it almost renders the entire core mechanic moot. Uh, Also, this does mean the Silent King, who does have the vehicle trait, has Mm -hmm. core, which means he gives him, like, he benefits from all the auras that he would have that can benefit core units. So it's just like, that's weird and very strong. And um, although it does... What is interesting is what is not a vehicle is like the the Doomstalkers, like the big tripods. They are not vehicles. <laughs> huh. Hmm. So I, I realized that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that either. But it's like, oh, that's that's weird. That's <laughs> I, to to be fair. I have seen those models exactly one time, which is when I opened the package, like the the starter box, and built it, and then set it on my shelf. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, then let, then we'll do Craft Worlds. Uh, Craft Worlds got four changes. Uh, the first one is Hail of Doom for doing your custom f- uh, Craft World attribute cannot be combined with anything else. It's all you. Ha- it's it's all or nothing on that one. Which and that's fun. that was super powerful. Hail of Doom makes uh, Shuriken weapons auto wound on a natural roll of six. On oh, like a, a to hit of six. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I could see why that one. Yeah, uh, Halo, yeah, and then there's, there's a whole Reddit thread of like the the impact of it and like how much uh, how much more damage output it it 
makes compared to various saves, and uh, the smallest impact on the chart is a 25% increase in damage, <laughs> and it uh, exponentially goes up from there. <laughs> so, yeah, not being able to combine, <laughs> combine that with something else is probably a good call. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Eldritch Storm, that stratagem, which it, it now it is a... Orbital Bombardment? Yeah, it's an orbital bombardment that uh, you need line of sight to do, and it's less use. It's less good on non-characters, so it's just less useful. Fire and Fade is now once per game, which that's a big hit, because that's like a big punch to their um, mobility. And then... Um, Matchless agility is no longer because matchless agility was basically your uh, your battle focus move is not a d6. It's just six inches. Now it's just reroll your battle focus move. Um, so not nearly as good as it used to be. Like it's good if you roll a one, but it's not going to get you that guaranteed six that you might have been banking on to like. Mm-hmm get out of either get closer to an objective or get out of line of sight or something like that. So they're trying to cut down the Eldar ability to shoot and then jump back away, which to be fair, that that helps improve army interaction. So I don't blame them for doing it, but it's still, it's, just, it's, it's still a big change. It, it is since, I mean, back a few editions ago was when Tau had jump, shoot, jump, and they got rid of that and, the way battle focus was working, and I've even done this in little practice games I was doing, being able to move out of terrain, like off of a point, shoot something, then pop back into cover or back onto a point is huge. And that, uh, cause then it's like, I can shoot you, but you can't shoot me. It's a different style. I, it's a fun style to play when you're playing it, but I can see how it's aggravating to play against. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's why, like, as much as I, I wanted Tau to really have a full jump, shoot, jump on everything without having a stratagem in the past, I understand why they don't, because it yeah. is, no one likes playing against it. Uh, and they are not the only Eldari faction that got hit. Harlequins also got a number of changes. Uh, first off, the game size no longer dictates how many rerolls you start with due to Luck of the Laughing God. You start with zero. You have to press your luck with Luck of the Laughing God to get rerolls. I don't mind that change, even though um, I'm horrible at it. Um, I, I have to choose two or I don't get any, it seems like. Because mm-hmm. even if it had three or four, it's like, three is pretty safe, right? No. No. And then um, Light and Dark Sadath got hit. Uh, light Sadath, which I still think, sh- if you made it not apply to vehicles, would fix a lot of the Void Weaver issues. Um, and now instead is... Uh, it only applies if you're 18 inches away instead of 12 inches away. So units within that 12 to 18 inch band, that's that that band right there, can uh, attack a light Sadath unit without having to worry about half their shots missing. And Dark Sadath lost the ability to fight after dying and instead just suffer or just inflict mortal wounds, like single mortal wounds on their uh, enemies if they die in melee which probably cuts down their the potential damage output just because instead of getting all their attacks it's just a one wound on a four up and caps at six for the for the unit which is fine it it makes 
fighting against Darkseid death way less risky, but still having an element of risk to it. So I think it's overall a good change. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably the same risk as others because a mortal wound is still really good. Although mm-hmm. uh, Harle- Harlequin in a death attack can probably do a lot more wounds than just one. Right, and so that's what I'm saying. Like the 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 overall impact is still potentially there, but it keeps it from getting way worse than it than it per- perhaps needs to be. And then orcs, uh, last but definitely not least. So orcs, instead of being li- because we, what previously it limited them to like you could have one buggy per unit and like a cap of like three total, something like uh, that. I think so. I think that sounds right. And now an orc army cannot include more than three of each of the following models, and it's the snaz wagons, the custom booster blasters, the scrap jets, the squig buggies, and the dragsters. So you can't spam any one of them, but you could still take multiple units of buggies and have those bu- those units filled out with like three each, as long as they're different buggies. So yeah. you know, speed freaks kind of back on the menu. Yep. And then also the wa got changed. Yeah, it still it it still has two two steps, but those steps are a bit different. Uh, you call the wa and uh, orc core and character so orc core and character units can charge even if they advanced on stage one, and you add one to their strength and attacks, and they get a five up invulnerable save, and then stage two gets stuck in. They keep the strength and attacks characteristic boost. They get so they get the one extra and a six up invulnerable save. So it's not all like punch up front and and having the invulnerable saves there help them actually get in, stay in. Yeah. Yeah. And keeping it, keeping a, a, at least less, you know, good invulnerable save in the second round. Cause like, that's the thing. It, it just seems like there's a big difference between an orc army that can, like, charge in and, like, just on the first round of combat, like, just wipe everything out. And one that just gets stuck in and kind of slowly chews through the opposing army. Mm-hmm. And, like, just kind of wins out by, like, just having more bodies that still kind of last a little longer. So, mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's an interesting change that... I'd be interested to see how, you know, plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it'll be, I think it will, you know, kind of shake up how they play and give them, a, yeah, give them a little bit more staying power, which is something that I think orcs can use. And between that and making their individual bodies cheaper, especially on their troops, I think overall we're going to see orcs definitely climb up a bit without being quite as oppressive as they were, like when they first dropped and then got hit pretty hard with, uh, with, you know, some point hits and, and the buggy nerf and everything. So yeah. it's kind of like they were too good when they dropped, but now the environment has changed and maybe they're ready to go in at full, you know, kind of closer to full strength again. So it, it's interesting to see how like these armies are shifting and how, you know, like things are changing. I do think Death Guard and Necrons, like between the mm-hmm. points and battle and uh, battles or balance slate changes, I think they may come out way stronger than maybe GW intends like Necrons could certainly use it, but I I think they may have unleashed a couple of monsters that they weren't quite ready to, but we'll see what happens. 
But, uh, I mean, that's, there's always going to, like, this game is so complex, you're never going to have a perfectly balanced field. But if we can maybe get some of these armies down from, like, 70 or 60% win rates to in, like, the 55% range, that would be good. So, yeah. Uh, and then um, I guess the last thing, these aren't up for pre-order, although I wouldn't be surprised if they are up for pre-order by the time we're done recording. Oh, there they are. Pre-order notices up uh, for all the new uh, contrast paints and shades. Yeah. And uh, so so those are up for pre-order now. Um, I Obviously, I have not tried out the paints, although... Uh, there were a lot of content creators that got to go to Warhammer World, and like the same weekend they did like the Horse Her- Heresy Weekender, they also got to play around with like the new paints and then take them home and work with them. So if you yeah. go on YouTube, uh, there are a number of really good reviews of like what the paints do and don't do. I would recommend um, like Ninjon has a really good one. I just watched the Squidmar one this morning. Um, I think Broadsword Games has one. Gorilla Miniature Games has one. And, and like I said, there's several others. And what I've seen cons- consistently is that for the most part, these contrast paints, like they're a lot more vivid. There's a number of them that are like, so the old contrast paints used mixes of like whites and white and black pigment mixed with colors to get those like shading effects but it's also why if you look at contrast paints you'll a lot of times get like settling on the bottom especially like the lighter pigments so you have Mm -hmm. to like keep them very mixed up and it also means that a lot of the colors aren't that vibrant because there's white or black toning them down but that's part of what provides the contrast a number of them like the ball red imperial fist yellow like i think doomfire magenta Magmadroth Flame, which is that orange, they are like uh, mono pigment. They just have that color pigment. Uh, They go on very strong. They're very vibrant. But as we remarked when we saw the photos, there's not really much in the way of contrast in them. They don't do the contrast thing. I've seen a a number of reviewers compare them more to a colored ink than a a traditional contrast paint. Now, there are colors that are contrast paints. Uh, The uh, Garagak Sewer, I see... People really liking that one. We liked that one also for the way it did like yeah. a dirty brown. I definitely want to pick up a copy, uh, a a pot of that. Yeah. Um, I The Imperial Fist, even though it doesn't do a lot of contrasting, appears to be like one of the best yellows they've ever made. Like people were getting like solid bright yellow Imperial Fist yeah. tones off of one coat, which is that's now like granted that's, that's one coat over white but that's kind of bananas well yeah. I, I, wait you could paint bananas with it yeah i think it's very interesting because uh and i, I forget which video it was maybe it was ninja or whatever but i was talking about that really this the means new lines of contrast paints are really like three different kinds of paints that don't mm-hmm. really all do the same thing where well, you're right like the imperial fist the you know the magenta flame the the the, the Doomfire Magentas like that, the ones that are really high pigment, don't, they're not really contrast paints. They're basically like one layer base paints. Um, and right. then some of the other ones like the, uh, I think it was Briar Queen Chill and like the like Pile Glacier. Pile Glacier. Yeah. Are really more of like technical paints to like for like sp- to do specific things. They don't really operate the same way that the other contrast paints do. So it, 
it is very interesting, and I think we'll see when they do come out, like, what people can do with these. But I think a few of these are going to be used, are going to be used very differently than normal contrast paints. Um, right. But, you know, it's cool to add them and, and have those, uh, have those in the palette, at least. So, yeah. Now, one thing I have seen consistently from the reviewers is that they really like the new shades. That the shades, the way they've been reformulated, they don't pool and leave staining nearly as much. They go like straight to the recesses. They don't leave a lot of tint behind. They leave some, but not much, and it's much more even. And it they like the flow is different, but even like the reformulated existing shades, the color is not so different. Like the effect isn't so different that like if you paint um like if you're in the middle of painting an army and you switch from the old version to the new version, it'll be slightly different, but not so much that it'll be really big. But like I they really liked some of the new ones. Like Mortarian Grime got a lot of praise. Targor Raid Shade and Berserker Bloodshade got a lot of ra- uh praise for like being just different tones of like reds or browns or yellowish greens that could tone some of the colors that you really can't get with the existing shades. So the shades look to be a a big hit, although they are also in slightly smaller pots. So you're going to get less shade, but it also means this bottle won't be quite as top heavy. So less likely to fall over. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. And they, you know, because the bottles are smaller, they also reduce the price. (laughs) Sorry. Um, No, they did not. No, they they absolutely did not. They're the same price. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. This is all and fine. the white scar primer <laughs> seems to be actually really good. Like, yeah. I'm, uh, twenty two bucks a can, so it is four dollars more expensive than Chaos Black. <laughs> if it's actually good, if it's as good as people say, that actually seems like it might be worth it. So, yeah, it's the same cost as like the Wraithbone and Gracier. So you basically have three colors you can use as the base for contrast paints, but to get the really vivid colors, you need to put it on white scar. Like it'll be toned down if you did on. Wraithbone or Gracier. But it looked like it's a nice, like the people who are using it, it does look like it's actually a nice smooth white primer, which itself is a form of magic. So, um, so like I, I don't know if I'll run out and get one of those. I tend to, I tend to prime in like a light gray anyway, but either light gray or straight up black, which Dennis, as you've discovered, does not work with contrast paints really at all. But, <laughs> No, and I'm kind of want to swear off using black primer for here on out. <laughs> Although, if you want to color things black, apparently the Black Legion is like pure black pigment contrast paint. It doesn't really contrast. It like very, maybe very, very faintly goes gray at the high points, but it is like a practically a black ink. So interesting. Uh, so. So you still have that for doing like the black tones and like armor creases or like uh, like if you want a weapon that is black rather than just like the very dark gray that you get with Black Templar, Black Legion is apparently that black. So, yeah, no, nothing really unexpected with the pre-orders, but uh, the the paints, like I said, check out just search YouTube for like new contrast paints or contrast paint review. And you'll find a lot of coverage of, like, those and the new shades. And it's generally positive. But like you said, Kevin, it's, like, three or four different paint lines that are all being called contrast, even yeah. though they're really not. But, I mean, they are they all look like they're cool paints, and they all look like they do have a use. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to try them out. 
All right, this would normally be where we switch over to listener mail, but we don't have any this episode, so we will ask you to send us mail. Um, if you have any questions about, like, the Chaos Space Marine Codex or last week's Gene or la- last episode with Gene Steeler Cults or um, any of the changes with, like, the points, the balanced data slate, uh, experiences playing Warf- uh, Warzone Nephilim, stuff like that. Uh, please feel free to message us. I would love to talk about it on the air. Uh, and there, if you want to, there are three easy ways to do that. First is email us. You can email us, you can email us at our first names at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com or our first names, one word at preferredenemies.com. Second is Facebook. We are at facebook.com slash preferredenemies. Third is Twitter. We are at twitter.com slash preferredenemy, singular. Uh, like us, follow us there at all those places. Send us messages. We'll call it, collate all those together. Get them into the uh, hopper and uh, get through as many as we can in an episode. Uh, also, if you want to help support the show, we do have a Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash preferred enemies, and we basically use that as an online tip jar. Now, if you have the means to help support us, we do ask, especially in these economically tight times, that if you have the funds available, use them to help out your community and use your wargaming powers for awesome. If after you do that, you still want to be able to support the show, even if it's just a dollar a month, that adds up and helps pay for our hosting our recording service replacing mics when they break and uh helping offset travel costs as events are opening up and we can travel to new events uh so again that is at patreon.com slash preferred enemies if you want to help support the show and we never lock any of our episodes behind a paywall so uh you know it's like if you don't feel obligated you'll get the same content whether you pay or not uh but if you just want to help support what we do and help keep this uh because basically, with the listener support, we have pretty much kept this revenue neutral. Like we, you, you listeners are paying for our hosting and our recording service, so we're able to basically continue to do the show without having to pay out of pocket. Thanks to all of you, so we really appreciate it. We're going to go ahead and take a break for sponsor identification, and when we come back, we will be taking our look at the brand new Codex Chaos Space Marines. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a game mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, 
And when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time to talk about our main topic, which is our look at the new Codex Chaos Space Marines. Uh, Games Workshop did provide us a copy of uh, Codex Chaos Space Marines for us to, uh, you know, in exchange for a fair and unbiased review, um, which won't be unbiased because at least two of us are Chaos Space Marine players, and as everyone knows, a Chaos Space Marine player must complain about something. And don't worry, there will be. Absolutely. We will absolutely <clears throat> complain about things. I mean, officially, you guys say I do have Chaos Space Marine models, but not. Yes, you do. You ha- <laughs> that, that's fair. You you do yeah. have you do have them. So you have played Chaos Space Marines, just not as a, as a dedicated force. Honestly, right. the thing I will probably complain about the most is 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 the Emperor's Children. So <laughs> there's that. But we'll get to it. I shouldn't. <laughs> Which say is the thing it, that sh- I'm actually not that like I'm not as bothered by than I that I thought I would be. But we'll get to that it's, when we get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'll just opinions. say <laughs> I, I shouldn't say this, but if they did make an Emperor's Children book, I would consider another army. I shouldn't get another army. Yeah, you're going to get another <laughs> army. You're already getting another army in like October, well, I, probably. I, 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 we're, I know. We're, we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I'll just go ahead and make the point right now. It is very, very 1,000% clear in this book that the Emperor's Children Codex is coming, and it sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, <laughs> that's my frustration with it. It's like, oh, then why didn't you just do it now? Like, I don't know. It's – that's kind of weird and frustrating, but anyway. <laughs> we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll get there yeah, when we'll we get, get there. we'll get to it. <laughs> So, as always, we are going to start with what is the fluff of the Chaos Space Marines Army. Um, so, uh, 10,000 years or so ago in the 40K storyline, the Emperor created the 20 uh, Space Marine Legions. In retrospect, this has been a bad idea. But he didn't know it at the time, although he should have, because he's supposed to be able, like, to be able to see the future and stuff like that. Maybe but- he knew it was going to be a bad idea. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> Which means he's the biggest villain of the 40K universe. Plus yes. twist. Actually, yes. <laughs> I mean, some factions say that. <laughs> that yeah. some, some of this some one, in fact. Call him the, some even call him the false emperor. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so, so, 20 Space Marine Legions were created to help uh, unify, like, to fight during the Unification Wars, to, to uh, unify Terra, and then to proceed into the galaxy and re- reunite the fractious pieces of humanity that had been separated by by the long night um in during that process two of those legions whose names have been lost to time ha- uh, were destroyed uh how that has happened and who they were will never be clarified although right. different <laughs> sources have different claims on that and uh if you're at all interested in the history of like the ho- the legions in the Horus Heresy, um, Arbiter Ian has is doing a set of videos featuring all, well, eighteen legions, and then he did a video for like the second and eleventh legions <laughs> a, as a joke, and it's it's a great little little aside video. 
But he does go into that a bit more. <laughs> the video for the Eleventh Legions, uh, which covers the second as well, like actually is really interesting and gets into like some of the the lore uh, inconsistencies and questions around the legions, and again, why they will never, why that will never be explained, because the whole point is to have you know an un to have a gap so people can create their own legions and do their own thing. So, <laughs> right, and uh, along with the legions. Uh, the Emperor also created the Primarchs, which were basically like exemplars of their particular legion's gene seed. But due to the ministrations and manipulations of chaos, those Primarchs were scattered, were stolen from the Imperial Fortress on Earth and scattered throughout the galaxy. And eventually, uh, at least 18 of them were rediscovered. We again, we don't know about 2 and 11. But 18 of them who rediscovered and reunited with their legions and then continued to shape their legions. And in some cases, like, completely change how they dealt with things. And in others, they were just, like, right on board. But but anyway, of those 18, one of them stood out more than any other, and that was Horus, uh, who was the Primarch of the Luna Wolves, who eventually were renamed in his honor to the Sons of Horus. And then after a great battle on the planet of Olinor, which I believe is when they were fighting like a massive orc wall, including yeah. like uh, the like a beast sized like orc war boss, um, the the uh, sons of Horus were uh, absolutely pivotal in that. And considering that he was basically the emperor considered uh, Horus to be first among equals and decided that I'm going to leave the rest of the crusade in your hands. I'm going to go back to Earth to work on my next project, which was working with the Webway so that they could stop using warp travel. Because at this point, the Emperor was intentionally keeping hidden from everyone that there were demons in the warp. Like, the, the whole Imperial Doctrine the was based on there is there are no gods there are no monsters there is only humanity and technology and suppressing that knowledge however the word bearers legion who had already been shamed by the emperor for creating temples to his name which slowed down their crusade um had been punished and decimated like literally like old school decimated had the the uh well, I don't know if they killed like one out of every ten, but the Ultramarines were brought in to punish them. Yeah, and this this left a very bad taste in their their mouths because the Emperor was basically saying, "I'm not a god. Stop worshiping me." And the Word Bears decided, "Well, if you're not a god and don't want to be worshipped, well, we want to worship somebody, so we're going to find somebody to worship." And they found or rediscovered it's. Again, a lot of the horse heresy stuff is written through the viewpoint of unreliable narrators uh, mm-hmm. in, on purpose. But uh, Aaron Dembski Bowden had the first uh, the first heretic novel, which is fantastic and covers this and and how the word bears fell to chaos. And then they manipulated Horus and caused him to fall to chaos. And so Horus decides, you know what? The emperor's got this all wrong. And there's also concerns of like, well, once the uni- once the galaxy is reunited for humanity, they're not going to have any need for us anymore and they're going to kill us, which right, which is, is which is what probably the not emperor true, did, but 
Well, with the Thunder actually, Warriors, maybe it is. With the it's, Thunder a, Warriors. Yeah. it's exactly what the Emperor had done before. So, yeah, they're like, eh, maybe this doesn't look out too well for us in the long run. <laughs> so Horace decides, no, I'm not going to go with the Emperor. I'm going to do my own thing. We're going to depose the Emperor and we're going to make way to Terra to defeat him. However, I've going like so I'm going to try to grab as many allies as I can. And fortunately for him, mo- almost half of the legions were of a similar mindset. Uh the either because of things like how they had been used even before the, their primarch was found, such as with the Iron Warriors where they were basically just thrown into the toughest fights and ground down and made bitter and cynical or the, uh, the world eaters who like Angron felt personally slighted by the emperor in that he let Angron's people die on this area rather than, uh, save them. Cause the emperor stole him away from like the rebellion he was leading amongst like the gladiator slaves that he had liberated. And so they all end up dying and really, it is because of the Emperor. So, Angron was on board. Um, the, uh, let's see, the Emperor, like, Fulgrim got corrupted by a Slaneshi artifact. Uh, Mortarian just, I don't think, just didn't care for how things were, like, he decided to so- side with Horus. And they were also an army that was, like, thrown into, like, some of the worst, nastiest yeah. battles. Um, the Night Lords had already kind of gone super edgelord and weren't really thought of like he and, and Conrad Cruz had already had like visions of not uh, of like turning against the emperor. So he was pretty quick to be brought on board. And again, the word bearers were already pretty much evil at this point. They had pretty much given themselves over to chaos. They had like the first possessed troops and, and, uh, dark apostles and things like that. Yeah. The Thousand Suns got manipulated, you know. The Thousand Suns, well, the Thousand Suns, the the thing about the the Thousand Suns are particularly, that's particularly tragic because they were, through no fault of their own, they were genetically Mm -hmm. gifted with psychic powers, which were then rendered, like, they were told, no, you can't use those, those are bad, can't use psychers, and then... Magnus discovers that Horus has gone bad and says, I've got to send a message to the Emperor to let him know that Horus is on his way to attack him. And it's like, the only way I can do this fast enough is to send a psychic message, which ends up getting, I think, partially garbled and also destroys some of the work that the Emperor is doing on the Webway project. So the Emperor's like, I told you not to, and sends the Space Wolves to go correct them kind of the way the ultramarines were sent to correct the word bears but horus decides you know what i'm gonna tell the space wolves that their mission is to go kill the the thousand sons and so the thought that and so lehman rust and the space wolves show up to do just that and uh the thousand sons end up basically turning on the emperor out of needing to survive and uh, use rituals. And, of course, that was all Zinch planning this the whole time. So, yeah, they got manipulated into falling. Yeah. But, yeah, in the end, you end up with nine. Tra- oh, and then there's the Alpha Legion 
who no one knows why they've decided like it's a very like you talk unreliable narrator there are stories that like maybe the alpha legion was told that they have to go along with horus because that's the kind of it's it's like the doctor strange gambit in uh uh, you know the like the infinity war it's like well i have to let him win because it's the only way to defeat him so there's that possibility or there's the possibility that they were really traitors the whole time or maybe they went meant to go undercover and join the the heresy to undo it from within but ended up going so deeply into undercoverness that they became heretics anyway so who knows <sighs> that's, that's kind of the their alpha thing. legion <laughs> Anyway, that's just what an Alpha Legion person would say. So. <laughs> but anyway, so you end up with uh, these legions that have gone bad, that have gone to chaos. And in the end, Horus is defeated. His legions are scattered. Uh, several, a couple of them, we've we've talked about uh, Death Guard and Thousand Sons. They've had their own books, and they are dedicated specifically to Nurgle and Zinch, respectively. And that leaves the other... Seven legions, including the Sons of Horus, who are now known as the Black Legion as a mark of kind of their shame. They don't use Horus's name anymore. And Horus is not looked upon fondly by the other legions because they blame him for screwing them over, even though they went along with this completely willingly. But, you know, you have these legions of former space marines who have gone over to Chaos. And, of course, Chaos does weird things to you. Time is weird in the warp. Uh, and now with the Great Rift open... Uh, Chaos is now once again ascendant, and so that is what you have. And on top of that, you have renegades who are space marine, you know, space marine chapters who go bad, or maybe parts of chapters who go bad and join the chaos cause. And so it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's like like you have like access to a lot, but not all of the space marine toys. You have um. You have demon engines, so you have like people who are possessed by demons. You have demon princes. Uh, this book does not have. Uh, there are full on like demon primarchs, although you will not see any in this book, uh, and we haven't in these books before. They are shoved off to their own books. We'll be talking about that uh, a bit later as well. But this codex covers that though those bitter evil. 10,000 year old or, or, you know, some are 10,000 years, some not so much, uh, Marines who have turned their backs on the Imperium and now fight for solely for themselves and to literally watch the galaxy burn because they're, they're just at that point, like they're, it's almost they're nihilistic in their, their anger and fury. And so that's going to take us into our 10 things you need to know about Chaos Space Marines. And the first one is, let the galaxy burn, which is a new rule. And let the galaxy burn and the wanton destruction rule that come along with it are what happens when space marine combat doctrines meet the old death to the false emperor rule. So yeah. in previous versions of the Codex, we had a death to the false emperor rule, which before the balanced data slates let you have um, extra attacks if you rolled sixes to hit against Imperium units. They defluffified that a bit for balance and made it just your sixes triggered extra hits, which was good. But now to make these feel like a dark reflection of regular Space Marines, they wanted to give them something that looks a little bit more like a combat doctrine. And so what we have is Let the Galaxy Burn, which 
Uh, Let the Galaxy Burn says, like, if every unit from your army has the Traitorus Astartes keyword, which is the Chaos Space Marines keyword, which Traitorus Astartes separates you out from, like, Bubonic Astartes and, uh, God, I can't remember the, uh, Um, Rubric? Rubric Rubric. Astartes? I think so. But, uh... But Traitor, if everything in your army is Traitorus Astartes, except for Agents of Chaos and Unaligned, so again, like having a Chaos Knight as a Dreadblade won't interfere with this. Um, is for, and every Legion unit from your army, except Abaddon, is from the same Legion, then you gain the following rules. First off, every time a model in this unit shoots with a flame weapon, you add two to determine how many attacks are triggered. So... Okay, all your flamers are D6 plus two. That's that's fine. That's okay. It's kind of a nice add-on because it's not the main part of this. The main part of this is um, this unit gains a bonus. Well, I shouldn't say it's the wanton destruction rule. It is the wanton destruction is one of the phases of this, I should say. <laughs> this unit gains a bonus depending on what wanton act it is engaged in. As follows, during the first battle round, your army and every unit from it is engaged in wanton destruction, which wanton destruction is each time a model in this unit fire at, makes an attack with a heavy rapid fire or grenade weapon, unmodified hit rolls of six score an additional hit. So like all your heavy weapons, your bolters, your plasma guns and your grenades are all sixes explode. During the second battle round, your army is in- and every unit from it is engaged in Wanton Massacre, which now shifts it to Rapid Fire, Assault, and Pistol Weapons. And then at the start of the third battle round, you select either Wanton Massacre or Wanton Slaughter. Until the end of the battle round, your army and every unit from it is engaged in the Wanton Act you selected. And then from fourth and onward, it's Wanton Slaughter. So basically, Wanton Destruction is your Devastator Doctrine equivalent. Wanton Massacre is your Tactical Doctrine equivalent. And then Wanton Slaughter, which is the Assault one, that is Assault, Pistol, and Melee Weapons. Get extra hits on sixes. So... Basically, instead of your AP getting better the way they do with combat doctrines, you get more hits, which I would argue is a bit stronger. It's more opportunities to cause wounds. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit tricky because the weapons overlap. Like, rapid fire is good in two of them. Assault and pistols are good in two of them, but heavy is only good in one. Grenade is only good in one. Grenades being in destruction only is a little weird. I would think grenades would... You'd want grenades and massacre as well, but that's just not how it shakes out. And then slaughter for melee weapons is, or melee weapons are only in wanton slaughter. But otherwise, like, I kind of like, I I like this as an alternative to, like, an alternative way to look at, like, the combat doctrine thinking and still have it feel like, no, these play kind of like space marines, but not exactly. They're a little bit different. Yeah, I, I like do, that. There's, I like that. There, yeah, I like that. It kind of mirrors what what the Space Marines do, and I don't think it's super hard to follow. And there's plenty of ways to be able to manipulate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are some rules in here that let, like, will let cer- certain units in your army shift which one they're in, and they do specify that even if a weapon type falls under two of them, you never get like two of them applying at the same time. Like yeah. if like if you have a unit in wanton slaughter but you're in wanton massacre mode, your 
rapid fire and assault, or not your rapid fire, your assault and pistol weapons don't get like two extra hits on sixes. They'll still just get the one, but, but yeah, it's, and it, it leans towards, again, just trying to get aggressive, trying to get that weight of fire or weight of attacks. Uh, and, and I will say like the, the revised version of, Death of the False Emperor was really good. I really enjoyed it with my Emperor's Children. So this is a neat way to carry that forward into like this new edition of the the book. I will note one thing though: legions are not chapters, and whereas chapters would have super doctrines, you know, like you'd have this like, hey, when you're in Devastator mode, you get like plus one to hit, like Iron Hands did, or uh, you know, like you get extra attacks when you're in Assault Doctrine, or you know. Uh, there's no equivalent to that in here. Like the legions do not ma- get better at certain acts of wanton whatever <laughs> than than the others. But that actually also makes it a little bit easier to manage because you don't have to worry about okay, so how does this legion play against um, something else? It also actively discourages you from taking mixed legion armies because you lose this ability if. Like, if you have a uh, Black Legion and you take an Iron Warriors detachment, you lose, let, like, you still get the, you lose, actually, you lose the entire rule. You lose Let the Galaxy Burn. So even your Flamers get less bad if two different warbands work together, which, yeah, don't think about the metaphysical aspects of that too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then that takes us to uh, item number two. Uh, legions are actually the match of chapters now, but no making your own. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, like, chapters had been, like, the Space Marine chapters got updated in their second 8th edition codex and with all their supplements and then the ninth edition uh, chapter codex. And so they were definitely superior in many ways to the Chaos Legions, which was frustrating for Chaos players, as things always are, which... You know, keeps them in character, I think. You know, you want to be jealous of what the the Imperium does. But... Yes. Well, I mean, it's just to get you into that mindset. It's role-playing. It's role-playing, sir. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Sure it is. We'll go with that. Um, So, uh, in... So with the the way the legions have been redone... Now, in most books, like, if you have a a sub-faction... Like, they'll have whatever their sub-faction trait is, and then they'll have a warlord trait, and a relic, and maybe a stratagem. Not so with this army, because they rolled in a lot of the philosophy and ideas from the Faith and Fury Psychic Awakening book into this. So each of these legions has a full chart of, like, six warlord traits, a full set of, like, eight, usually, like, eight stratagems or so, a whole set of their own relics. And on top of that, for match play, they even have their own secondary objective, which really encourages each Legion to play very differently. Yeah, Hmm. it gives each Legion its own, like, flavor for sure, which is good. Yeah, and like a quick rundown, uh, Black Legion... Uh, each time they take combat attrition, they ignore any modifiers. They never get more more afraid or more likely to run away. And when they make an attack, they add one to the hit roll if they're shooting at the closest eligible unit that they could shoot at, or they 
charged this turn. They get plus one to hit. Um, word bearers, uh, they can reroll attack hit rolls if the model's unit, like if that unit was char- made a charge, was charged, heroically intervened, and uh, they ignore mortal wounds on a five up because they are just extremely zealous. Um, Night Lords uh, subtract. They have an aura that subtracts two from the leadership and one from the combat attrition tests for any enemy models within nine inches. And uh, if they attack, let's see, when they attack with a melee weapon, if the attack targets a unit that was below half strength when the attacking unit was selected to fight, or if the attack targets a unit that has a leadership characteristic of five or less, which remember, that's five or less after the two has been subtracted, which is going to be a lot of units, you add one to the wound roll. So you're more likely to wound people who are afraid of you. Yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) Uh, Iron Warriors, uh, each time they make an attack, they don't. the target does not receive any benefit of cover. And then their second trait was actually redone in the data slate because their first one is basically Armor of Contempt, or like the, the one right. that's in here is Armor <laughs> of Contempt. So they changed that to match the Salamander's one of your enemies can't reroll wound rolls against you, which is also still quite strong. There's Alpha Legion, which has the... Uh, a pretty standard if you're attacked from more than 12 inches away it's minus one to hit them and unless the target has 10 or more wounds which is mostly their vehicles uh in which case the attacker has to be more than 18 inches away which is fine that's a a good way to keep Mm -hmm. that a little bit more balanced and they can perform an action or declare a charge in a turn when in a turn when they fell back so they can fall back out of being engaged onto like an objective and then like do an action on it or something like that. Yeah. Uh, if they try to declare a charge while performing an action, they still fail the action because sure. you're not supposed to do that. But but being able to fall back in charge or fall back into an action is actually really useful. For sure. Um, Emperor's Children, we're going to talk about them later. We're going to skip them for right now. And uh, then you get into uh, the two kind of new ones one of them is brought over from uh faith and fury and one is brought over from more of the spider and that's because red corsairs which is uh huron blackheart's uh quasi legion made of renegades uh they can declare charge in a turn in which they advanced and uh models with that trait count as two models when controlling an objective marker or five models if they have 10 wounds or more so they are very good at they're good at charging or like good, good at getting in your face quickly. And they're good at holding objectives. And then creations of bile, which is fabulous bill, Fabius biles, uh, uh, cr- collection of, you know, motley band of genetic experiments. Um, they get plus one move plus one strength and, uh, they can fight when they die. Like when they, when they die, they just automatically fight back. So suck it. Dark Sadath Harlequins. <laughs> I do like that they kept Creations of Bile. That was one of the really <clears throat> cool things from uh, War of the Spider. So I'm I'm really glad they kept that one in here. Now I will say that these are technically like while they do have their own secondary objectives, I would consider them half legions because they have half as many relics, half as many stratagems, and half mm-hmm. as many warlord traits. Yeah. 
But if you wanted to play like Renegades, like he, like I don't want to play one of the old legions. I want to play like my own Renegade Warband. Um, too bad. There is no make. Yeah, make your own system in here. The best you could probably do is run red, red run as red corsairs. Like that's your Renegade Space Marine uh, Legion. And they don't even have the equivalent of hey, if you want to play like. Uh, you know the equivalent of a successor chapter like a, a spinoff or like a war band that broke off from like some legion or other there's not even a way to like you can't even say like oh, i want to play that one but i want to use my own keyword and i want to uh and i just give up the relic that they have you know the relics that they can take yeah. nope they don't even not even an option just you're playing one of these um like it's like nine that are in here or seven or maybe it's only eight because there's one that's conspicuously missing and that and we know why and that's world eaters are not in here because they are getting their own book we'll be yeah. talking about them a bit later because they were covered in uh the latest white dwarf which i i'm happy to report i actually got mine on time so i was have been able to nice. look through it so yeah i got it like the I got it like a day or two after we recorded, which was it, really nice. <laughs> it was very interesting reading through that because that obviously came out like a couple weeks before the book. So like looking at it and like I, I remember looking at it going, well, this is kind of weird. I'm surprised they don't include this and this. And then I look at the rest of the legions in here and I'm like, oh, OK, nope, they did the same format. OK, that makes sense. Right. Now. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, you may still want to be able to customize your your units. Like, even if you do a Renegade Legion, you may want to, uh, like, customize them to be serving particular Chaos Gods. And that takes us to point number three. Marks matter again. Woohoo! But not all marks are created equal. They never have. Even though they... So. <laughs> no, they never have. And that's always been kind of an issue. But there's one in here that is particularly wonky. And uh, we'll get to that. So, marks are like this is their equivalent of the non-relic unit upgrade where you like like the unit costs one more power it costs you an additional number of points which in this case is always 15 also they mentioned that a crusade army cannot start with any units that have been upgraded you have to pay requisition to upgrade a crusade unit to be uh marked in a particular way Unless it's an emperor's children. We'll talk about that in a minute as part of this as well. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. You can only upgrade chaos. Und so, so a lot of the units have the chaos undivided keyword to represent that they basically serve the entire chaos pantheon equally. However, uh, you can upgrade your chaos undivided core or chaos undivided character units, not counting named, char named characters, with a mark of chaos. If you take a demon prince, it has to take a mark of chaos, which is not mm -hmm. rolled into its points, by the way. You don't get it, like, for free. You have to pay the extra 15. Now, you'll notice that is core and character. Anything that is not one of those things, you do not mark, which has some interesting hits on it, because there's certain units that aren't core that surprise me that cannot be upgraded. Which means they can never get the benefit of these marks, which is a little frustrating. Um, when you upgrade the unit, it loses that chaos undivided keyword and it gains the mark of chaos keyword, the appropriate. And it basically gets a, a new faction keyword matching the particular uh, mark. So 
what are those four marks? Because there are four, one for each Chaos God. There's Mark of Corn. Mark of Corn says each time a model in this unit made a melee attack, if they charge, were charged, heroically intervened, add one to the strength. Very good for corn. You yep. hit harder when you charge at people or when somebody charges you. Um, Mark of Zinch, the first time a saving throw has failed for the unit, it's zero damage. Oh, man. You I guys like that saw one's... me use... Yeah, you guys saw me use that on the Eldar Warlord trait that does... Well, not uh-huh. that good, but dropping something to zero is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'm kind of going in uh, counterclockwise order here. Mark of Slanesh, if the unit starts the fight phase within engagement range of any enemy units... It fights first. Standard. Okay. Yeah, pretty standard. And then there's Mark of Nurgle. Now, what would you guess, if you didn't know, what would you guess Mark of Nurgle was? Well, Uh, in the past... Feel no pain. In the past, it's always been plus one toughness, which has always been the one that's like the the no-brainer, take this option always. So, right. (laughs) It is not that. It is very much not that. Uh, (laughs) Instead... Each time an attack is made against this unit, if the strength characteristic of that attack either equals or is at least double the toughness character unit characteristic of this unit, subtract one from that attack's wound roll. So, take a standard Chaos Space Marine. Give him the Mark of Nurgle. If he takes an attack that is specifically strength four or strength eight or better... You subtract one from the wound roll. If it is strength three or less, you don't care. If it is strength five through seven, you don't get any benefit. Yeah. This is weird. Well, it gets worse for like a demon prince because like demon princes are like tough six. <laughs> I get why they did it this way because just the. A straight minus one to all the wound rolls or straight plus one toughness would have been too good. But this is a very weird compromise. <laughs> you know, what they could have done is just giving them disgustingly resilient and reduce all incoming damage by one. That would have been that, easy yeah, to that do. Would have been easy to. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would make them consistent with like Plague Marines and everything in the Death Guard Codex. So it's like that. I don't yeah. like the Mark of Nurgle. And it's I like mean, they're actively discouraging you from taking it. <laughs> another way to think of it is, oh, if it, if you would have wounded on a two, now it's a three. If you would have wounded on a four, now it's a five. So just threes, fives, and sixes are the key numbers. Or given you like the weak version of transhuman physiology where it's like ones and twos don't wound you. Like everything yeah. has to roll a three or better to wound you. Like that would have been... Something like we've seen that pop up on other armies. I think, well, I I use it on my sister's army and it was amazing when I did that game against custodes. But I think for death guard, well, Nurgle, sorry, not death guard, minus one to damage would probably be fitting and annoying to deal with on the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's it like that one. It's just the odd one out. It's like, oh, this one is just a nightmare to adjudicate all the time. I, uh, I will say this. I do think this is far better, far more balanced than any of the other previous versions of Marks. So, I will. That. I will agree with that. Yeah. 
And then on top of that, you can make these individual marks on these units even better if that unit has an icon, in which case you gain, you have the icon keyword. And in the, like if this unit, for Mark of Corn, for example, if you have an icon, each time a model in this unit makes a melee attack, the uh, AP gets better by one. Really good. A, a marked icon unit of corn is going to be really solid. Uh, Mark of Zinch icons improve the every time they make a ranged attack, it improves the armor penetration characteristic of that attack by one. So it's like kind of having like warp fire bolts in your in your bolt mm-hmm. gun. Totally on, you know, on par for that. Mark of Slanesh, uh, each time the model in this unit makes a melee attack, add one to the attack's hit roll. Uh, I will mark Slanesh units, all, melee units all day, every day, because that is yeah. and give them icons if I can, because that's fantastic. Um, Mark of Nurgle, uh, each time a, this, let's see, while this unit has the icon keyword, each time a model in this unit makes a range attack, an unmodified hit roll of six automatically wounds. Okay, that makes sense. Poisoned, like, infected bolts. Cool. Down with it. Totally good. Yeah. My problem with this is how few units can actually take icons. Because, like, like, for example, my current pre-New Codex, uh, Emperor's Children Army, I have icons on my noise marines. I have icons, or at least on one unit of noise marines. I have an icon on my raptors. I have an icon on my terminators. Um, Legionaries, the, your traditional chaos space marine troop unit, they can take an icon. Mm-hmm. Um, the dark commune, which is a new HQ choice, can take an icon, but they're cultists, so they can also never have the uh, mark anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, chaos terminators cannot take an icon. Um, chosen can take an icon possessed can take an icon but can't be marked because they are not core nor are they chaos undivided Hmm. noise marines can take an icon chaos bikers can take an icon raptors cannot take an icon warp talons cannot take an icon and can't be marked anyway because they are not core Um, havocs can't take an icon and, I mean, then you get into vehicles and, and stuff like that, which won't be able to take icons. So it's yeah. like, there's only a, a few units that can take icons where it's really going to matter much. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's not, like, it would be, it, it's frustrating that, like, they're giving these bonuses, but also making it very, which it may be a balancing thing, but it just still feels like kind of hit and miss on who can and can't take them. Yeah, the, I think the big one is warp talent, not warp talents, uh, raptors and terminators not being able to mm-hmm. take, to take, because I think that's where you'd get a lot of benefit out of it. But at the same time, taking it off of those units, which you're probably going to take anyway, and putting it on units like Chosen, use units like Legionnaires that make them better, I, you know, it may not be a terrible option. Uh, there right. might, there might actually be a place for Chosen in some lists now, which, they have not been good for a long time, so yeah, it's it's it might actually give them give somebody a reason to take them. So that that, that is yeah. good. Um, speaking of taking individual units, that takes us to number four. Chaos Marines finally got the glow up they needed, Woo-hoo. but while stat lines go up, other things go down or go away. So let's address the elephant in the room. You finally have two. Two wound legionaries. 
Chaos Space Marine, like base Chaos Space Marines, have two wounds. Fantastic. In fact, pretty much. Uh, oh, an extra wound. Not in every case, because there's like a few things like like the Disco Lord, the Lord Discordant. They didn't give him an extra wound because they didn't want to kick him into like ten wound territory. Sure, but like most units in here have an extra wound. Their Terminators have three wounds now to make them on par with Space Marine Terminators. Fantastic. That is. Like, having that parity is already a huge boost for this book. It does mean the units are a bit more expensive, as they should be, with the extra survivability. But, hey, two-wound Chaos Space Marines. Finally, just had to wait a year and a half for that to happen. Mm -hmm. The extra attacks make up for the fact that you don't have Death to the False Emperor, but you have the extra attack all the time. Plus, like, Wanton Massacre once you get into close combat, like, round round three and four, whatever. Um, so, uh, you definitely will be putting out more hits. And in some cases, like, Warp Talons have five attacks base. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> oh, you also don't have Hateful Assault anymore, which gave you that extra attack when you charged. But instead, you just have the attack all the time. So, it doesn't matter if you're stuck in or not. You just still have that extra attack. But yeah, so like Warp Talons have a ridiculous number of attacks. Even Havocs, who are, are their ranged weapon specialists, have three attacks base. Possessed are like five attacks. Like, like there's, there's a lot of attacks on these units, so you can definitely tell they're geared for close combat. Uh, we'll, we'll get to them a little bit later, but uh, Corn Berserkers have five attacks base now. Yeah. Wait, as they should. I mean, that's yeah. exactly oh, yeah. what they should be doing. <laughs> On top of that, like, there's other things, things that you might not notice when you first go through this book, like, and and I know people have been talking about it, so you probably have noticed, Chaos Land Raider is tough nine. We're through the looking glass, people. (laughs) We have a tank (laughs) that is tougher than a knight. That's very, very scary. It's like 16 wounds, (laughs) tough nine, two up armor, doesn't have an invulnerable save, that's about, like, the only thing that's, uh... That that is probably a saving grace. Um, still has a transport capacity of ten, so putting a character in there with a squad of ten is impossible. That's still frustrating. But again, it wouldn't be a cast space marine book if we couldn't find things to complain about. Um, oh, for sure. Also, the land raider and all any of the vehicle mounted las cannons, so including on like the predator. The, uh, or like, especially like the main turret one, they are called Soul Shatter Las Cannons and are D6 plus two damage. So three to eight points of damage with, uh, Las Cannons. Never more, you know, no longer will you roll one damage with those Las Cannons. Now, the Las Cannons on the Sponsons of Predators, those are still regular D6 damage Las Cannons, which, also frustrating that you'd think that everybody else is getting the D3 plus three Las Cannons. But not for not for Chaos Space Marines. Like your Havocs, uh, that's a D6 damage last cannon. So some last cannons are better, but not all of them. A little frustrating, but okay, fine. Um, Abaddon is a monster. Not literally, he doesn't have the monster keyword, but, um, but he he's just, <laughs> he should. He's an absolute. So first off, um, he, like... Strength six, tough six, nine wounds, eight attacks, 11 leadership. Not that it matters, he's a single character. Uh, two up, he's got a, a two up, four up. Um, he has every mark of chaos. 
and they're all reflected on his his data sheet. Uh, when he charges, he adds one to his strength, and uh, his uh, demon sword is already plus three strength, so he's strength ten when he charges if he attacks with his demon sword. Otherwise, he's strength seven with the talent of Horus and can double his attacks. So, like, I mean, Abaddon will absolutely shred any any infantry he touches. Um, he reduces that incoming damage to zero the first time he does fail a save. Um, okay, so his his Nurgle mark is still weird and useless. It has to be a strength six attack or a strength 12 attack or better that he reduces the wound roll by one. So, <laughs> yay. How? Uh, also, he always fights first <laughs> if he starts an engagement range. So, yeah, that there's that. And his Dark Destiny rule not only gives him a four-up and vulnerable, but he can't lose more than three wounds in the same phase. So That's he's got nice the Gazgul treatment. Yeah. And with nine wounds, it means he's sticking around at least a couple of turns. Right. Um, he has to be your warlord if he's in your army. He has a six-inch aura. Oh, if the model is your warlord, he gains the Agent of Chaos keyword, meaning you can drop him into any chap any list you want. And because he is considered to have the appropriate marks, um, like you can even drop him into like an Emperor's Children army because he is Agent of Chaos. Um, while which it's also technically you could drop him into most Chaos armies because <laughs> he yeah. does still have the Heretic Astartes keyword as well. So like you could drop him into a Death Guard list, and as Agent of Chaos, he theoretically should work with that as well. Um, he has a six-inch aura of chaos that affects chaos core units. Any chaos core unit gets plus one to charge and reroll hit rolls of one. And then he can uh, do the chapter master thing for Heretic Astartes core character units where he picks one and they can reroll uh, hit rolls. If it happened to be a Black Legion unit, they can also reroll the wound roll. So he is all things to all people. Would it be heretical for me to paint him up in World Eater's colors? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I thought you should do Dayglow Yellow. No, I'm already doing that for an army. In theory. So it's like Abaddon is is like terrifying and he's he's gonna be a real heavy hitter. On the on the other well, hand, let's talk there's oh, there's another really heavy I think a heavy hitter character in Cypher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, super utility utility guy there. Super utility guy and an agent of chaos, which makes him easy to drop into any chaos list, which is good. Um, I am disappointed that fallen are no longer in this codex, nor is there any way to have like there's no fallen legion, which is a shame. Yeah. There really should be. Um, yeah, really should have been. And, and so, like, that's one of the first things we see that has disappeared in this version of the book. Uh, so if you were building a fallen army, too bad. You can't. They, like, there's nothing special about it. It's just pick another, pick another legion because you can't even build your own fallen legion. But yeah, he's got the transhuman physiology, a four up and vulnerable save, um, six attacks. And uh, however, his attack, like, I guess because he's just got his pistol because he never draws that sword on his back, which is appropriate. He never should. That's very fluff, yeah. right? Um, but he can shoot in a turn which he felt fell back or advance. His pistols are awesome. 
And as long as you have a Chaos Lord model in your army, you can use Cypher in your army without using up a, an HQ slot, which is interesting. Um, and he uh, allows you... He can prevent your opponent from uh, refunding command points that they've spent, which... That's, that's the part mean. I like. That's yeah, the part yeah. I like. Yeah, so no, Cypher is a really good drop-in. It's just a shame you can't actually do a Fallen list with him i mean that's true yeah. but I, I like the fact you can drop him in whichever legion you want cool. and he's there you just drop, to kind of help out you drop him and abaddon and cypher together it only takes up one hq spot and you doesn't break any of your rules so you can, I, I you could start seeing those two just peppered in everywhere i think oh yeah and abaddon does have the supreme commander keyword so he can absolutely be in a supreme command detachment by himself so that's mm -hmm. i mean as appropriate he should be like that's kind of his thing um however let's talk about some things that also did go away we mentioned fallen let's look at chaos terminators real quick because this hurts my soul um so chaos terminators suffer from what's in the box uh, syndrome, And I don't mean in the cool seven Gwyneth Paltrow's head kind of scary way. I mean in the, well, this is what's in the on the sprue in the new kit. You can't have anything that's not in the new sprue. So, um, for example, if you have a squad of five Chaos Terminators with uh, dual lightning claws, um, you don't anymore. Because A, you can't have lightning claws, and B, you can't have a whole squad of dual melee weapons. Um, when I say you can't have lightning claws, it's literally not an option for this unit. All their close combat weapons, whether they are chain axes, I guess power fists power are act, still. Yeah. yeah but like, yeah, it's like power weapons, like power. Well, yeah, even like power swords, power axes, whatever. They have just been reduced to accursed weapons, which do give you additional attacks when you fight. I'm I'm actually okay with that because it was kind of confusing and annoying with previous editions to be like, well, this guy has a chain axe and this guy has a power axe and this guy has so like I get simplifying it down to one weapon profile, but like also taking away lightning claws was dumb and like not giving you the option to have dual combat weapons is is the problem. Well, you do okay, you do have the option to take dual combat weapons for one you for one model in the unit. Because here's right. the thing. For every five models in this unit, one Terminator can replace his combi bolter with a heavy flamer or a Reaper autocannon. Okay, that's that's been kind of classic. One out of five. Okay, fine. We're good so far. One combi bolter can be replaced with one combi plasma. One combi bolter can be replaced with an accursed weapon, but neither of those accursed weapons can be replaced with a power fist or a chain fist because those are addressed later. Which means one model out for every five can have dual close combat weapons. So my squad of five, I have to cull four of them because yeah. the other four aren't legal. I um, mean, it would it would be a shame if somebody say, I don't know, spent the money on the uh, Forge World, uh, World Eaters, Terminators and kitted them all out with lightning claws. Yeah, that would like be unfortunate. Had, what had kind like, of had like, what kind of fool wouldn't have been future thinking to think <sighs> that they might take away, take that away in the future? Yeah. I mean, uh, you could repaint them to be space wolves. You can still do a full lightning claw Terminator squad. Yeah, I don't think they're going to slot into my World Eaters <laughs> army that way, though. <laughs> <laughs> Time for new armies. 
Um, up to two models can have combi flamers. Up to two models can have combi meltas. Up to three models can have a power fist. So you can't even have a full squad with power fists, even though that's kind of a stock thing. Um, and one model can have a chain fist. This is dumb. <laughs> this is yeah. a really just bad idea. <laughs> and I'm not a fan of it. I yeah. don't. I'm really disappointed by Chaos uh, Terminators. Um, and uh, then, like, and you go over to Chosen, and Chosen, just to simplify things, are basically, what if you took Chaos Terminator out of Terminator armor? Because they basically have the same kind of weapon breakdown. Yeah. But Chaos, can, Chaos Chosen can at least take an icon, which is nice for them. I'm a little bitter. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. really, especially because that squad of five with the lightning claws has been one of my favorite squads for a long time. Like I've had that painted up for a decade. Well, <laughs> well and, Rob, and, we can cross our fingers that if Emperor's children get their own codex, they'll be back. Yeah. Well, the, I doubt the, it, but maybe. The frustrating part of this had always been, like, in in the Space Marine codex, you have assault terminators who can take. Explicitly to, you know, to, uh, combat weapons or regular terminators that are like, okay, gun and a combat weapon. And that makes sense because you have two units, different roles, etc. In chaos, you always had the flexibility of like, no, you can mix and match. It's more renegade. It's more like, what do we have laying around? So you just kind of throw stuff together into one unit. I just don't understand why they didn't, if you're going to do this, let them let everybody and you know completely let it be completely customizable and take multiple combat weapons, assault weapons, stuff like that, or give us a second unit that is just assault terminators. Like I just, it seems weird, and and I'm going to assume that when World Eaters come out, they're going to get a term a dedicated terminator unit because we've seen that with every other Legion Codex that's come out. So maybe right. they'll be so. At that point, maybe I'll be able to use my Lightning Claw Terminators again, but it's just, it's such a weird choice to do it this way. Well, I can use the the model that was previously the Terminator Champion in that squad as a Chaos Lord in Terminator armor, because Chaos Lords don't have accursed weapons. They can actually take dual Lightning Claws. Yeah. That's fair. So weird. Um, so, so weird. weird. Uh, um, on top of that, other things that have disappeared, greater possessed are gone. There is just possessed now, which is fine. It's just like fine. It kind of makes me wonder why even have like why had you even created the unit of greater possessed when these were basically just preview possessed models? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. I think I actually we, we can maybe talk about this at the end. I, I have some theories about the design of this codex that are completely unsubstantiated. Just my kind of thoughts of reading it. So. I don't know. Um, I'm fine with uh, the greater possessed not being there, but it, well, it's just like, yeah, I'm fine with them not being there. It just kind of feels like, wow, that was a speed bump of a unit to just like, mm-hmm. eh, we have these couple of models. We better make up a unit entry for them rather than actually, you know, try to do something interesting with possessed. But now they're doing now possessed are better, but yeah, greater possessed are gone. Um, mutilators are gone, and no one will ever care except for like the five people who bought. Fine cast mutilators, and I feel sorry for them. Yeah. No, nobody liked mutilators; they were a bad idea. Um, noise marines lost the ability to uh, uh, shoot after dying. They also lost the ability to take melee weapons, which also hurts me because I have a whole yeah. squad that I ran as 
noise marines. Although I guess now I can because I like I can just run them as legionaries with close combat because they have like the same stat line pretty much. I just can't run a noise champ with them, so it's like yeah. eh, I can work with it. But Rob, look at that picture on that page. That noise marine looks I amazing. Know. I do Again, like that. It, <laughs> although I will point out that that model has a combi bolt, like a combi sonic blaster, and you can't mm-hmm. actually use a combi sonic blaster. So I'll, I'll just I'll just throw that out there. But um, but yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, and, and we'll talk more about noise marines when we get to Emperor's Children because it, it does play into them. But it's like it's like. There's a lot of good things in here. Um, like the Forge Fiend and Mauler Fiend are basically on par with the Thousand Suns versions, which we really liked. So I'm glad for that. Mm-hmm. Defiler is on par with the uh, Death Guard one, which also I really like. Um, all the demon engines have a generic demon engine trait, which lets them regenerate a wound and gives them the five up invulns. So. Again, it's like there's a lot of good things in here. Do not get me wrong. It's just there's a few things. It's like a few changes that make me go, huh, like greater possessed and fallen disappearing. And then there's some like Terminators rendering people's models illegal, which, I mean, it's happened before. It's stuff we have to deal with, but it's still a gut punch when it happens to you. So Um, as far as other new options, let's go into point five. There are more cultist options for those armies that like those, especially like Word Bears and Alpha Legion. But don't think about rolling a whole cultist army just yet. Um, so, so we know there are new cult kits coming. Um, there's the regular cultist mob, which now fits the aesthetic from the uh, Blackstone Fortress Escalation mm-hmm. kit. Uh, which also, because one of them had a grenade launcher, there is now an option to take a cultist grenade launcher, which, okay, great, cool. And you still have the ability to take the flamer and heavy stubber, so your old cultists are no longer illegal, except for the guy with the shotgun who now just has a rapid-fire cultist firearm. They made him nice and generic. Um, and so, like, you can take them in units of up to 20, uh, and uh, you no longer have to take... Like and they've also like kind of changed how like at what point you can double up on their special weapons, but you can also have a flamer, a heavy stubber, and a grenade launcher in the same unit of ten, which that's kind of nice. Uh, cultists are not core, but they are troops, so they are still objective secured. Um, and then there's cursed cultists, which is their new um, uh, assault focused cultist unit. Which, uh, they're the ones that are possessed and starting to mutate. They are not demons. They are not demonkin. They are much more akin to, like, if Chaos Spawn and Cultists were mashed together. Um, like, because they're an interesting unit in that a unit of them will have five, what they call mutants, and three torments, which the torments were the ones that we saw in the preview where they were, like, pure body horror, where it was more like demons wearing an Edgar suit. Mm-hmm. Where like like there's just bodies hanging off of demons, and you can double up on that. But you can't have uh, more than three torments until you also contain ten uh, mutants, which tells me that that box is going to be five mutants and three torments when you buy it. And if you want to double up, you'll buy yeah. two boxes. Um, like the torments are pretty solid in combat. Strength five, two d three attacks. Uh, their attacks are AP minus two, two damage. 
And also, your they have the accursed horde rule, which says during your at the end of your command or at the start of your command phase, they can never get they can never do actions, they can never get into transports. But at the start of your command phase, you can either bring back three dead mutants or one dead torment with full wounds remaining. So, like this unit, if you don't wipe them out, they'll just keep coming back, which really good. They also uh, shake off wounds on a d six or you know, on a six up and. Uh, also, the mutants don't count for losing mor- for morale tests, so it only matters that you kill the torments. But you can force somebody to kill the torments last because they have three wounds each. So uh, the cursed cultists are cool. Are cool. It's a cool addition to the uh, to the cultist panoply. And then we also have the HQ for the cultists, which is the dark commune, which is the uh, Lord of the Rings looking guys. Yeah, uh, they are. It, it's a unit of five. You can always take them. You always have to take them in five. They have a priest built in. They have a psyker built in. Which, looking more at the psyker, because like they've shown a couple of different views of that the mind witch model, and it's somebody else's head attached to his body via like a rack and blood vessels. So that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Again, pure body horror. Um, they are cultists. Again, this unit can never be marked. Also, even though they are an HQ, and even, so even though you have an HQ and you have plenty of troops, there's still the mere mortals rule for army construction, which says you cannot have more cultist units, and that includes a dark commune, than you have core infantry chaos space marines. So core infantry is basically going to be legionaries, Terminators, Chosen, um, Noise Marines, if you're playing Emperor's Children, and uh, Havocs. So, oh, and Raptors. Raptors are infantry. So it's, uh, so you, you have to balance out how many, you can't just take cheap troops, which is fine. We've seen this before. But mm-hmm. also there's a rule that says if you have a non-cultist HQ in your army, then the cultists can never be your HQ. So basically, the really the only reason for the uh, for the dark commune to exist is if you're playing a fluffy or a, a cultist heavy army and you want something a unit to act as a force multiplier for them because they do allow uh, they like their icon in there. They do have the icon, even though they can't be marked, but. Um, you add two to the leadership characteristic of models of for cultists within six inches, which is good because cultists have crap, <laughs> crap leadership of like five and six. <laughs> and they let uh, cultists reroll hit rolls of one within six inches. So if you're going to go cultist, uh, a dark commune is definitely not a bad idea. And dark apostles also have like their auras that let them use his leadership works with cultists as well. Uh, so, it, it's like, there's definitely support if you want to do a cultist army. Just don't think you're going to be doing a pure cultist army. It's just not a thing. But if you want to do word bearers or alpha legion and use cultists, that is absolutely doable. And I, I, I do like that. I am still disappointed that we don't get traitor guard reflected yet, but I'm, I'm waiting. I'm giving it time. I'm hoping maybe, maybe they put traitor guard in the guard codex. I think that would be cool. But that would be interesting. Here. Yeah. 
All right, next, moving on to our point number six. There's uh, two psychic disciplines in the book. There's Dark Hereticus and Malefic. Now, these are not new. We've had both of these before. Um, Dark Hereticus has is pretty much unchanged. Uh, there's a couple of tweaks. One of them is a big one, though, and that is Warp Time. Now, Warp Time keeps getting changed because the way it was originally was too good because you could just slingshot somebody forward and have them charge. And you could basically slingshot anybody. So I remember games of like, was it like somebody taking Magnus, Mortarian, and a Lord of Skulls and like warp timing the Lord of Skulls forward and then having it charge and attack? Like kind stupid of shenanigans that? like that from like, eight, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, what kind of cheese asshole would do that? <laughs> and so then they changed it so that you could only target things within your legion, which stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stop that particular thing. They've now toned it down even further. Warp time. Uh, it does have a range of six instead of the range of three inches it had earlier. But now the unit that you target can make a normal move. If that unit advanced in your previous movement phase, it still counts as having advanced this turn. And until the end of the turn, it is not eligible to charge. So warp time is now mostly like a movement shenanigan trick to get somebody like onto an objective. Or yeah. get them into a shooting position when if they couldn't quite make it before. It still has its utility, but it's not the, like, assault slingshot it was before. But all the other powers are still pretty much unchanged. I think the only other different one is the, uh, the Zinch one used to improve your invuln save, and now it just gives you a 4-up invuln save. Which, okay, fine. Uh, but Putrid Miasma and Delightful Agonies for um, Slanesh and Nur- for Nurgle and Slanesh are unchanged. And in fact, if if you mark a Psyker character, including a Demon Prince, which has to be marked, um, then they get that Psychic power as a free add-on. So it's like they don't. Ha- it's not one they might know. It's one they will know. Which not having to pick pick and choose that is nice. Um, if you are a Corn Demon Prince, you do not get Psychic powers, but you do okay. get. Uh, I believe extra, you, you get extra strength and attacks, which is as it should be. So, but um, <laughs> but malefic on the other hand, first off, you have to take a master possession to take malefic. It's the only, um, it's the only uh, unit in the in the entire army that can't that can't even take it. And masters of possession never know dark hereticus. It's it's always one or the other. Um, but Malefic has the same, has similar kinds of buffs and such that Dark Hereticus has. It just tends to be focused on demon kin or demon engine units. Um, your demon kin are possessed warp talons and obliterators. Um, and then demon engines are like your venom crawlers, defiler, your mauler fiend, forge fiend, uh, Heldrake, stuff like that. Um, uh, oh, and Legionaries can actually take a Psyker as an upgrade because that was in their most recent Kill Team box. So if you want that box and want to have that Psyker, you can actually have a Dark Hereticus Psyker embedded in a Chaos Space Marine unit so long as it's not marked corn. Nice. Um, I and, and I will say, again, because Demonkin never have the core keyword and never have the Chaos Undivided keyword... It is weird to me that they they have the demon keyword and the demonkin keyword, but you can never have like warp talons of Slanesh. You can never have obliterators of Nurgle. You can never have 
um, possessed of corn. That strikes me as weird. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a balance thing or what, but it's just a weird, weird decision. Yeah, I'm not not sure why they did that. Yeah, it seems odd. I got to assume it's just a balance thing. I I would hope so, but... um... But yeah, we we don't know. But it's like the psychic powers. Like if you liked the psychic powers before, they're pretty fine as long as you weren't leaning on warp time, which I know a lot of chaos players did. So it may dissuade you from taking a sorcerer. But the other five powers are still good. Like prescience is still plus one to hit, which is still good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like there's there's definitely powers that are worth taking. Now, as far as taking marks and things like that, that takes us to number seven. You can bring in Plague Marines, Rubric Marines, and Berserkers from other books, but with some changes. Um, so that was always kind of the weird thing, that you would have a unit printed in two books, and they've been actively trying to get away from that. We saw that with Brood Brothers in uh, Gene Steeler Cults, where mm-hmm. they didn't reprint the guard units in there. They just gave you rules on how to take them from that book into this army, or into that army. So in this army, you have kind of the same thing. And uh, a little bit of this is a, like one of these things is going to have to you ignore for right now because the book it mentions doesn't exist yet. And you'll have to refer right. to a white dwarf. We'll get to that in a bit. But the army building, uh, there is a slaves to darkness rule at the very beginning of the rule section of this book, which, by the way, the rule section of this book is like 100 pages. There, there's a lot in here. This is there like is a, a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's like Space Marines, Eldari. It's like that many options in here, which is why I'm glad we're just doing a top 10 list. <laughs> it's 183 uh, pages in this codex. Yeah, and good two-thirds of them are rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so for Slaves of Darkness, some traitors have given themselves entirely to the service of the Dark Gods and are so lost to damnation that they hardly, re- hardly resemble the warriors they once were. If you want to use... Corn Berserkers, Rubric Marines, or Plague Marines, you must refer to the rules in the appropriate books. Use the data sheet and points values from uh, Codex World Eaters, which does not exist yet, or Thousand Sons, or Death Guard, respectively. In all of these cases, this is what happens. It becomes an elite choice. It will always be an elite choice. It changes all their faction keywords to Chaos, God, he, insert God here, Heretic Astartes, Traitorous Astartes, Legion. You gain the Let the Galaxy Burn ability. Okay, fine. You, you will want that to interact with the stuff in this codex. Right. It must be upgraded with the appropriate mark, which means you have to pay for it. So if you are taking Plague Marines, for example, you pay the codex cost for Plague Marines, and then you pay the extra 15 points to mark them with the mark of Nurgle, which does mean they will get the Mark of Nurgle ability on top of their Disgustingly Resilient, which technically makes them better Plague Marines, except for the fact that the Mark of Nurgle is terrible. But but like for the the Corn Berserkers, getting the Mark of Corn is really good. For the Rubric Marines, take, getting the Mark of, Mark of Zinch, um, fine, great. Reduce that incoming damage to zero. The, Awesome. The other thing is they will never get a Legion trait. So if you take, let's say you're you're going fluffy and you're like, I'm doing a 
Black Legion army and I have a unit of Corn Berserkers and a and a unit of Plague Marines because they're who've joined Abaddon on this. Um, they will not get the Black Legion Legion trait. They are not considered part of the Black Legion except for keyword purposes. So that's fine. I think that's fine. Um, what other things you may not consider on this is like, for example, your Plague Marines will not have like the the Contagion or Nurgle ability that that expanding not aura aura because that only you only get that if your entire army is Death Guard. So you don't have so don't think that you're going to bring a bubble of minus one toughness around you. That's not going to happen. They just they just become more resilient Marines, which maybe that's the reason why they didn't give the Mark of Nurgle disgustingly resilient mm. because it would there'd be no reason to take plague marines yeah if you could just take them in here for cheaper so it it's it's a weird way to do it but it does make sense and it's consistent with how they're doing like these crossover units in other books so i don't mind this necessarily however um the the corn berserkers part of this will does not apply until that codex is actually out so we don't know when that will be well yeah because i was gonna say that because i'm looking at the the white dwarf rules right now and they do already have mark of corn included in their profile and points and stuff like that so i'm like yeah so it's like but I also understand they don't want to write a codex that refers to a white dwarf. So I, I get sure. it. Sure, 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 sure. I get it. So it, it's basically, it's like future-proofed. Yeah. Now we get to point number eight, and I imagine this is one that you want to talk about too, Kevin. Um, Emperor's yeah. Children and Noise Marines do not get their own book. I, But I will say that for right now, they're not bad. Um so so we've already talked about three of the cult troops. The fourth cult troop, the Noise Marines, are in this book. Um, you can and choose Noise Marines in a Chaos Space Marine detachment using the data sheet and points values found in this book. You don't have to mark them because they already have the Mark of Slanesh rolled into their cost. Um, they will... However, if everything is Emperor's Chil- from the Emperor's Children Legion, that your Chaos... Your, your Noise Marines are troops, otherwise they're elites... Um, and they never gain a Legion trait unless it's the Emperor's Children Legion trait. So Noise Marines are really meant to be an Emperor's Children thing. And the Emperor's Children don't have bad uh, Legion traits. Um, they ignore any and all modifiers to hit rolls, wound rolls, and ballistic skill rolls. They will, like, your, uh, like... Cover. They ignore dense cover. They ignore hard yeah. to hit from flyers. They ignore anything that makes you less likely to hit. I think the only thing they might not ignore is like the things where it's like you don't hit them on like ones and twos if you're like so far away because that's not a mm-hmm. modifier. That's uh that's just applying new rules to whether the roll succeeds or not. But which is it's it's a mild difference, but it's definitely there. Also, every time they make an attack, if they unmodified wound roll of six, they improve the AP by one. So, um, like, Emperor's Children are really, like, potentially very nasty in close combat. They've got some decent warlord traits and stratagems, although I will say a number of their stratagems have been toned down. Like, one of my favorites, Honor the Prince, which is just, like, one of the two dice of my charge is now a six. Um, It lets you roll D6 plus six, which... Seems about the same, but you don't do it after the fact, like you could with the old Honor the Prince. But I'm yeah. fine with that one being toned down. That was super powerful. 
and it still gives you a good chance of pulling off like nine inch charges. So it's not like it's bad. Um, and uh, like they still have like a lot of their stratagems and things have been tweaked a bit and changed. Some of their relics have been toned down. Like there's a lot of stuff that I like from Faith and Fury that the versions in here are not quite as good, but those were also ridiculously good options. So I'm fine with them being toned down. Everything else in the army is kind of getting brought up. Um, sonic weapons are interesting because now instead of ignoring cover, which your legion trait ignores dense cover anyway, and they got an extra AP, which kind of counters light cover. Um, they do plus one damage at half range, which is really good for an assault weapon. Mm -hmm. Um, Lucius as a character is fantastic in here because he's now no longer a character killer. He's good at killing anything that has a good, a good weapon skill. So, um, Lucius is just way more useful. Like everything in here that is Emperor's children, I'm pretty happy with, even if, even though they toned some things down, but, and I know this is where you're going to come into it, Kevin. Yeah. But <laughs> it feels like they should have just made an Emperor's children book. Yes. I mean, that's clearly where this is all heading and it's, it's annoying that they, and this kind of goes to the larger kind of feeling I have for this book overall. This book feels very much like a stopgap. Like, it feels very much like they wanted to do things, but either because there is potentially a new edition of the game coming out, or they weren't sure when they're going to be able to slot this new army into a release. They're kind of putting half measures in here, and... I, it's, it, it's really frustrating, especially for, like I said, like Emperor's Children players, which I'm not, but I'm annoyed on your behalf. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, sh it, they should have just done, pull those units out and say, hey, we're doing, we're doing a new codex. And like, yeah, maybe it would suck if it comes like a year down the line or, you know, it's like that. And you're using a white door for that long. Like that would have sucked. But like. Dude, I was a sisters player for for a little while. Right. White dwarf codexes are nothing well, new to me. <laughs> well, and and the part where it gets really frustrated to me is like it's very clear this is the design philosophy they are wanting to go with this army. They are wanting to make those four legions their own thing, their own armies, flush them out fully. Okay, got that. Why are you releasing other new factions first then? Like, why are, was there a need for Leagues of OTAN to come out so, so much that you couldn't do them before you do World, World Eaters and Emperor's Children? If this is where your design philosophy is going. Like, I get they don't all, I mean, that's the stuff that frustrates me. And look, I'm super excited for Leagues of OTAN. I'm going to buy that army as well when it comes out. I'm happy that they're doing it. But handle your shit first. Like, <laughs> You know, take care of the stuff that you already have and, quite frankly, that you don't support because, I mean, how long have we been complaining that they didn't get a second wound after, like, five different balance data slates and updates and stuff? Like, well, they'll get it in the codex. It's like, but why? Why do they need to wait for the codex? Why Why do we – why do Emperor's Children players have to wait to get a codex in another edition down the line. It's like, it just, it's frustrating. 
I, maybe Fulgrim wasn't ready. Well, and maybe the maybe. like, the, you know, it, from a facetious standpoint, sure. But also, I think from a serious standpoint, maybe they're not ready to re- make. You know, they haven't fi- finished the design yeah. on those. I mean, we know they're they've just been showing off like the very preliminary design <sighs> yeah. pieces for World Eaters. We don't. I imagine that yes, Emperor's Children is probably coming. I imagine we yeah. will get a Fulgrim model eventually. Just, when we don't know, and yeah, it is. It is a bit frustrating as an Emperor's Children player. I'll say what's in here though. At least it's enough to tide me over, which for sure. I mean, it's it's fine. It's not bad. I actually kind of I actually like it for the most part. There's I have my issues. If any issues I have were more just like design issues with the rest of the book, like I should be able to have icons on more things, or I should be able to mark non like non core units. But I can I can live with that. This is where I think this kind of feels like it's a not complete book or it's just kind of a stopgap book because it, this book feels from a design philosophy, like it's a lot different than other ninth edition books. Um, the codex that I would almost compare this to, you know, like that jumps to mind the most to me is the seventh edition. I think it was the seventh edition Necron book with like the Decurion detachments and we like, Hey, midway through this edition, here's an entirely different way to build an army go nuts and like this feels like a different design philosophy than the rest of all of the other books and it it feels to me and again this is nothing to back this up this is just how it feels to me personally it feels like this book is a stopgap to get you through ninth edition and that like when they drop 10th edition maybe as soon as next year chaos space marines are going to be like one of the launch factions and we'll get a brand new codex and like it, this, this, this feels with some of the designs and some of the units that are in here and some of the things that aren't in here. It just feels like this isn't designed to last long term. This feels like a stopgap to get you to the next edition and the next book. And that's really I, frustrating. <laughs> I say, I would say yes, as far as like specifically for Emperor's Children. I'd say for all the rest of the, the legions, not so much. Well, I mean, Um, but, like, not having the ability to, like, make your own factions, not having all of the weapon options in here, like, it, it doesn't feel, I'm not going to say it doesn't, like, it feels rushed or, like, it wasn't complete, because it definitely wasn't rushed, Um, but it just, it, it, this doesn't feel like what, this doesn't feel to me like what the other codexes like have got. Like it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that other codexes have. And it either, it either signals to me that there is a marked design philosophy change coming with the next edition and then, and future codexes, or that this is just kind of a stopgap. And they're like, well, we don't want to put everything in here because we're going to be releasing another one shortly know. in the Can future. I'm interpreting a little bit different. And I think. With this coming right on the heels of 30K's release, I really think like they wanted to keep the feel of the legions intact. And so I yeah. think that's why you don't get your choose your owns because they were saying these are the legions. They've stayed together. They don't yeah. follow the codex anymore, but they follow this one because they don't care about Rob Bobby G's yeah. doctrines. Yeah. It's just, I- it. <sighs> It just doesn't feel like the rule, the rules that are in there, even for that, are as fleshed out as they could be. And I, like I said, I don't know if that's because when we get, you know, uh, 
rumored whatever you know you know 9.5 codex for space marines um that maybe they're going to take away the super the super tactical doctrines and just simplify it maybe that's the design philosophy is that going forward we're going to take away some of the additional complexity that we've been talking about and we're going to streamline these codexes a little bit more and just give you rather than two or three overlapping systems it's just one or two so you mean all the stuff that I'm already forgetting to use when I play these games that I'm playing against right. myself. So, so <laughs> it, it could very easily be that this is a change in the design philosophy of the studio. And going forward, we're going to see less of those extra like bolt-on additions. Or it just, or it could be that this just feels like it's a stopgap. They're like, hey, we need to release something because we've Chaos Marines don't have the two wounds. We're getting, we're going to release this right on the heels of Horus Heresy where people are buying a bunch of stuff and we're talking about chaos. We're talking about all of this stuff that's happening. So we're going to release this book. And one of the things that I kind of think in my mind supports that maybe they timed this release for Horus Heresy more than anything else is the fact that there were no models released with this. And there are multiple new units in here. Like- um, oh, well, okay. So I, I will say I, we know that there are new kits for the cultists. They're not out mm-hmm. yet, but that wouldn't be the first time that like the kits haven't caught up with the, the sure. book quite yet, but we know, but like, like we're getting a new possessed kit. We're getting a new cultist kit. We're getting the kits for the dark commune and the, uh, the accursed um, mutants, accursed cultists, accursed cultists. Everything else here is actually covered so I don't I don't think it's necessarily that this is like there's not a new model line and they've been redoing like over the last couple of years redoing a lot of the older they chaos models. Yeah. So I, I don't even think it's necessarily that, but it is. And I I would disagree. I I don't feel like it's a stopgap except in the case of maybe Emperor's Children because it, it like it does feel like. We're not ready to give you your full, like, Chaos God-specific book yet, but we're working mm-hmm. on it. So it it does make it does make me feel like Emperor's Children are kind of like the odd one out, but I feel like they're okay because they're not going to depart so wildly differently that I feel like I have to complete, like, with the, uh, you know, accepting, like, the, the Terminator issue and things like that. I can take what I have for Emperor's Children and... And work with this, and it should be fine. So it's like, I I, I don't feel too badly about it. Now, if you want to talk stopgaps, let's talk number nine. Yeah. World Eaters. (laughs) World Eaters get a White Dwarf treatment for right now. Now, I am not a World Eaters player, but you are. Yeah. And uh, and also, a lot of this stuff seems to be copied, copied and pasted over directly from Faith and Fury, maybe tweaked ever so slightly. But, like, it's pointed, like, I saw somebody point out that there's two Scorn of Sorcery stratagems now. <laughs> yeah. Because there's one in the Codex that is the Chaos Space Marine Codex that only, it only works for corn marked units. And then there is a World Eaters one, and they are functionally identical with the same name. Yeah. So, in the in the White Dwarf, basically, the there were punch-out cards for the units, which I do like that. That there's basically... And it's kind of weird because it's it's a punch-out card that has Karn the Betrayer and Corn Berserkers on one of them. And then on the other card, it has Corn Berserkers and the Charnel Throne from Age of Sigmar. Yeah, that's I weird. I don't know. <laughs> that was kind of weird. But um but like the the fact that you have the unit cards are great. Like the fact that you can just hold this up, it's everything on here, it's you know, a, an index card size, very neat. 
I like that. Honestly, I would be cool if they started releasing cards like this for the codexes so that you could actually they like do have an Age of Sigmar. Like Age right. of Sigmar has battle scroll cards you can get. So that, that I because, do like, like those. Yeah, I would I would be happy if they started releasing stuff like this for codexes. That would be awesome. But yeah, so that's cool. And then you've got the punch out cards for all of the stratagems. I have a feeling most of these stratagems are going to change once the the army comes out, but they're all like marked. You know, it, it's very similar to what the Legion layouts in the um, in the book are. You know, you get your Legion trait, which is you know the butcher's nails. Uh, each time a unit with this trait fights, if it made a charge move, was charged or performed a heroic intervention, then when that fight is resolved, add one to the attack's characteristics of the model. Cool. Okay. So you disappointed get your, your that you attacks. don't get a second bullet point though, like everyone else does. Like, yeah, there be, well, there feels like there should be more to that. There's also a couple other things that they lost, but we'll get to them. Um, so you got your legion trait, you've got your warlord traits, your six warlord traits, you've got your eight stratagems, you've got your one, two, three, four, your six relics, um, which are basically all copied from previous editions and stuff. Like they didn't change too much. So I, I like that they kept it in sync with what's in. The Space Marine Codex, you know, the Chaos Space Marine Codex now. So, like, there's no real confusion between those two. Then you have the two specific units. You have Karn the Betrayer and Korn Berserkers. Karn is still a beast. He's, you know, they both got the extra wound. Uh, They they picked up some extra attacks because, uh, you know, lost hateful assaults and some of the other stuff. Um, only, Only Karn gets to attack twice. Berserkers don't get to attack twice anymore, which is a huge, like, yeah, you get the extra attacks, but not being able to go twice, go a second time in combat is a huge downgrade for them. But, you know, maybe that'll, maybe that'll come back when, when the, the codex comes out, maybe it won't. But, you know, I, so like, it's, it's good for what's in here. It's basically, you know, it's almost the same thing that all the other legions get. It's, it's very similar to what Emperor's Children currently have. Um, you know, you've got your your core unit, you've got your, you know, your your character, you've got your Legion traits, you've got your own things. Um, and, you know, obviously you can still take anything out of the Chaos Marine book to fill it out, you know, for now. And, yeah, it, it's, it's fine for a holdover for now. And, you know, and then we'll get, whenever the new book comes out, it'll, you know, it'll, uh, it'll fill it out, I'm sure. Yeah, it's just, it, it does feel like, well, you know, it, it feels very much like the, well, we retired all the rules from Faith and Fury, but we don't want World Eaters to be unplayable, so we're just going to copy those yeah. things over, kind of bring them in line with this, and this will carry you over. Just like yeah. for the Emperor's Children, it's like, this stuff will carry you over until you get your own book. It's just your your uh, your army world eaters is definitely getting a codex sooner rather than later. So yeah, for sure. So I- I'm, I'm fine with this. Like it's, it's a little bit annoying because uh, in the, the, you know, the next page, the, so there's a pretty decent section on this in, in here. So you've got, you know, your history, your fluff and stuff like that. And then they have a really cool uh, section of model conversions where they've shown like, you know, here's how you can mix in the bits from the, uh, Corn warriors from Age of Sigmar. Here's how you can, you know, kit bash a, like a Lord Discordant on, uh, you know, on a, a Juggernaut and things like that. Like, that's really cool. One of the things they show in here that is also super cool is a unit of Red Butchers. 
the Forge World, Corn, you know, World Eaters, Space Marines, all with double lightning claws. No, they're not all double lightning claws. There's one of them with double lightning claws. Uh, on page 101? Unless I'm... Oh, no, I'm looking at page 96, sorry. Yeah, page 101. Because there's another set of Red Butchers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nope, nope, right yep. there, the, the featured army. That's, uh... Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a mm-hmm. Chaos Lord of Corn on a Jump Pack, which is also th- something you can't do anymore. I forgot about right. that. Lord on Jump Pack and Lord on Bike are gone. <sighs> yeah. Well, maybe they'll get the Eldari treatment where people realize, oh, these are gone, but people I- still have them, and they'll put them back. Like the I will- Autark. At a minimum, what they need to do is they need to put Legends units out for those. Like, at a minimum. You need to put a, le- a Legends data sleet out for Mutilators, for, you know, Chaos Lord and Jump Pack, for, for things like that, if you're not going to give them back. But, yeah. Or a data sheet for Red Butchers as a as a dedicated well, unit. Like, so that would as of right nice. now, as of right now, Red, which, which will happen... Honestly, once the right. book I know comes it's out, a strat right now. It's a strat right now to add one strength to the to a unit of terminators. Special terminators are a thing that ev- that I say every other legion book, both other legion books have gotten. So I fully expect there will be a red butcher's terminator unit once the world leaders codex comes out. Um and maybe they will be all lightning claws or you know have the ability to take multiple combat weapons, but um yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I it'll be fine for now to like get you by, and then you know when the new book comes out, we'll we'll see what happens. But having played armies that had white dwarf updates before, this is definitely isn't the worst. <laughs> right? Yeah. No. It's it's a fully functional and and serviceable army. But yeah, no, I can like. It it does always still feel weird when it's like, oh yeah, and this army, th- these are the pages we would have put in if we hadn't cut them out to put make another codex. But at least it's playable. At least it's it's yeah, going to yeah. do the thing it says on the tin for the most part. Yeah, yeah, for sure. World leaders are still playable, and that's you know, unlike my corn demon kin, <laughs> I can still play them. <laughs> well, and also you said they're like they're five attacks base. They're going to be six on the charge because yeah. of Mark of Corn, which they have. You know, which they have. Well, or they if they have the icon, I think they're. Or no, they have Butcher's uh, Nails gives them one attack on the charge. Yeah, Mark of Corn gives them plus one strength. So they're still going to have six attacks on the charge, which gets them close to being like the equivalent of being able to attack twice. Yeah, for sure. Like it's. It's fine. It's probably a simpler way to do it. So, like, it's fine. It's just kind of weird that, like, specifically Karn gets that, you know, got that got that as well, where he's, like, able to do it. But, you know, I I don't know. It's it, they so they still have the blood for the blood god rule because Karn, like I said, Karn is able to assault, you know, attack twice, but Berserkers didn't get it. So. Yeah, it's, it'll be it's weird, weird if it just if it comes back and then you know if it comes back in the next one or if it doesn't. So I don't know, right? But you know, it's it's fine. It allows you to play him for now, and uh, that's that's enough for now. <laughs> that's enough for right. me for now. <laughs> All right, and then this takes us to our final point, point ten, and hopefully you've picked up on a little bit of this as we've talked about it. Uh, this army is probably like this faction. This codex is probably one of the most flexible. But also easy to understand and play armies. 
Um, this does feel very much like an early ninth edition codex. It feels like the Space Marine codex. It is not full of a bunch of crazy bells and whistles. Yeah, and you mentioned that, like, you know, it feels like there may be a chain, like, maybe we've hit peak complexity and now they're trying to, like, reel it in a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, this does definitely feel like that. And I see that as a plus. I, I see this as making it, and especially because if Chaos Space Marines are one of, like, the easy big, big villains to put out there, it makes it a very easy faction for people to pick up and understand and play. And you need yeah. those kinds of intro level armies where you can just do that um although i do think it is interesting that just like an early ninth edition codex it needs the changes from the balance data slate to function in ninth edition properly because right. you need armor of contempt to really compete you need to change that iron warriors legion trait um but it is not a difficult army to build unless you get like into doing like really weird things like like trying to figure out how to maximize the usage of a dark commune, for example, or you know stuff like that. But like depending on what legion you pick and what you want to build, much like the Space Marine book, I think this book supports multiple builds very well. Yes. Which is good. Definitely. Like, do you want to play an army that like Iron Warriors where it's all tanks and tough shooting and things like that? Absolutely viable, especially with those like T9 uh, you know, T9 uh, land raiders and with all the like all the tanks that you can build, bring and like Havocs and and Terminators with like, you know, Reaper chain gun or like uh, Reaper auto cannons and stuff like that. Do you want to go assault heavy? Do you want to do something like uh, World Eaters or an Emperor's Children on the assault side or or like word bearers are also kind of in, the, in that lane too. Do you want to do that? absolutely viable like with um do you want to go like monster mash like disco lords warp smiths demon engines also totally viable you even have a cult uh, a psyker in the form of the master possession that will make that even better um mm -hmm. do you want to have a bunch of cultists do you want to go like word bearers or alpha legion where you have cultists supporting you and like the cultist support like uh tide of traders they've changed to return lost trader like lost cultists to a unit so it you know it doesn't let you bring a whole unit back but it lets you refill the you know, like refill the unit with lost bodies yeah. so it's like you can do you want to do that absolutely viable still you can still do that um this army can absolutely go flavor heavy and still be decent. I don't think this is a top tier army, though. I don't think this is Death Guard good right now. No. Like with the way Death Guard is shaking out with like the latest changes, Death Guard is going to be a very tough army to crack. I don't think this is going to be that, but I think this is going to be pretty much on par with Space Marines, and that's where it should be. Like it should feel like the mirror image of Space Marines. It's exactly how it should be. Yeah, and I think this. This just about gets it there. There's still a couple of odd things like, why can't there be a chaos drop pod? There still is no good reason why they can't have that yet. But yeah, um, if that's like, that's one of the only things that I really feel like is missing because now it feels like with Primaris no longer being that much better than, than firstborn chaos legionnaires not being like not being Primaris doesn't feel like a downside and thus makes things like possessed feel even better. Um, 
like having bikers that are as good as bikers, having your jump troops that are as good as their jump troops. Um, like you don't have access to all the newer tech, like some of the stuff that Primaris has have, but that also makes sense fluff wise that you wouldn't because you're not per- you're using like a lot of older, you know, scavenged gear. So like it works, but I also don't feel like you're on the back foot against Marines now the way you were before because it feels like you yeah. can you can give as good as a Marine can get. And that's where this army should fit. Yeah. So despite the fact that, that we do have some criticisms and some things that we don't feel work as well as they could be, I think overall this is a decent book. I think Chaos Space Marine players... In general, we'll be happy with it. I do think there are like there will there will definitely be some things that will be frustrating, but it that's on like specific units and specific builds. And I know not everybody like I know there's plenty of people that do like those mixed Terminator squads. So there's definitely going to be players who are not affected by this at all. Like they like they're like oh yeah I've already built my Terminators this way this is fine. So it's it's. It's it's a good codex. It's a fine. Codex. It's not. A, I wouldn't say it's like a knockout of the park, but I feel good about it. You know. Yeah. No, I do too. Like there is a ton of flexibility in there, and I, you know, there's more flexible. There's some flexibility I would like to have in there, but I think overall for what it does, it uh, it it definitely it definitely succeeds, and I think it does a really great job where it sings is like representing those legions. Um, and I think it does a really good job of that. Agreed. So I guess. I'll toss it. What I like about it is what you guys said is I'm viewing kind of like the Eldar Codex, how you can build it lots of different ways. This does feel like a, a book that you can build whatever flavor you want. I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. And as you said, it sounds like great for starting out people if they want it, this faction. And cast models do look really cool. Downside for me, well, maybe an upside. It didn't sway me enough to say, I really want to play this army. So, yeah, I'm safe. I'm not going to pick up a chaos army. <laughs> I, no, and I, 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 no, and I think, yeah, there's nothing in this book that I see like jumps out and's like, oh yeah, no, you should like, oh, this is going to be the new hotness that like is like if it doesn't click for you, then it's not gonna, and that's fine. But uh, I think there's definitely um, like if you are already a chaos player, it's a decent book to have. Like it's a good book, and I think it's fine. Yeah, so. I will also say, just as one like final thought, uh, there is a ton of new art in this book, and I think it's all really great. Like I, I was really impressed with the new art style and the new art pieces that are in this book. Yeah, they're they're definitely leading leaning into like a an even more baroque, more twisted push yeah. for Chaos Space Marines, giving them a little bit more flavor, which I think they have the skill to render now in plastic rather than just being Marines with spikes. So yeah, it, I think overall it is, it is a definitely a, a really good design that they're going with. All right. And that takes us over to hobby progress. Um, I have, uh, been a playing around more with the, uh, the 3d printer and, uh, working on, um, like kind of dialing in settings and learning a few things. I've had some issues with uh, some of my uh, 
models adhering to the film at the bottom of the resin vat. So all I get printed is the base for the print itself, which is like the rafts that support all the supports for the model. So I've had a few failures with that. And I've had a few cases with models like where the layers peel a bit or um, so I've been working on like this is you know we mentioned last episode this is a hobby in and of itself there's a lot of like fine tuning and some of it's based off of like your exposure settings your resin that you're using the temperature in the room how heavy you're loading the the plate how old is your the film because you can replace that film at the bottom of the of the resin tank uh like what power setting is your your ultraviolet lights in there set at there's a lot to tinker with. I haven't done much in the way of printing anything for uh, 40K. Um, and I'm he- there's a lot of stuff that I'm hesitant to do because, yar, there's a lot of piracy out there, there be. But um, I, I did print one 40K model, and it is specifically... Um, there's an old shaper model. Uh, there was an old named shaper called Angor Proc that Games Workshop did a model for years ago. You cannot buy the Angor Proc model anymore. Like, it is not available in their store. And I, they might eventually do, like, a made-to-order, but I, I, this particular model is not available. And somebody had apparently done a 3D scan, and I wanted to kind of as a test model to print it for myself and see how it, it turned out. It looks really good. Like, it looks as good as the metal model. Like, they did a good job on scanning it. Um, so, I have one. I'm not really planning on, like, definitely not something I would mass produce. It's just more kind of a test, like, does this do decent decent models? And, yeah, it absolutely does. And it, like, I could put this, paint this up and put it in with my other crew, and it would look totally fine. Um, what's interesting is that the 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 various things that, have to be like the code words that are used a lot to represent some of these models to avoid <laughs> like because they know it's piracy we know it's piracy uh, so like everyone has very clever naming conventions but it's like if i can find it after like five minutes of searching i know gw can so it's not like they they, they can't not know about it uh but uh Still looking at other things. Right now, I'm more looking at printing things that Games Workshop doesn't make and, and more in, in the lines of fantasy than, than, in, uh, than in 40K. Although, One Page Rules has an alternate model line for, um, they call them Saurians, so Lizardmen slash Seraphon. Uh, they're pretty much one-to-one analogs, but they're different sculpts, different, slightly different designs. And I was looking at the print time because, like, one of the ones I have through their Patreon is, like, uh, what would be the equivalent of a skink priest on a troglodon, but at least it's, like, a gecko priest on Spinosaurus. And I was like, okay, I can fit all this onto one print plate, including the base. It's on 120 mil by 90 mil oval base. And so I... I plugged all the designs into my uh, slicer and it gives you a calculation of like, this is how much resin you're going to use and this is how long it's going to take to print. With the base, because the base is arranged vertically because of like with 3D resin printing, you don't want the base flat on there. You want it like at an angle with supports. So you... um, 
nine and a half hours, somewhere between eight and 10 hours, basically, to print that whole thing, because it's got to print each of those millimeters at a time in layers of like a half a millimeter. So it takes a while. It would be it'd be like over it'd probably be two to almost three thousand layers to get that entire uh, base. The bolt gun that I printed was a 60 hour print. So just to let you know, yeah, for to, comparison. to put in comparison, <laughs> but I'm also probably doing much smaller layers than oh, you are for with sure. filament. For sure. For sure. But <laughs> how many printers yeah, you're was like that one printer going for 60 hours or? Uh, it was, I, I printed it, it, I printed it on multiple printers, so it didn't take 60 hours, but, uh. But it was 60 hours of print time. It was 60 hours of print time. Yeah. If I printed it yeah, all so- at once, it would, Yeah. <laughs> So, so to print out this model is, um, with the base is like almost 10 hours to do it without the base is like five, uh, because yeah, it's, it's a multi-part model, like, and it's all engineered, like the pieces slot together. I'll probably would have to use green stuff to fill gaps and things like that. Cause resin always ends up having a little bit of shrinkage when it cures. But, um, so again, I say, uh, if you think that this is, you know, 3d printer goes burr, no. No, it is not. It would take hours and hours. And that's assuming I have no failures. That's assuming everything yeah. prints perfectly. That's 10 hours. If it if it could take days to print if I have to do it over and over again for one model. At a certain point, you have to decide, should I just go buy the model? <laughs> like, is it worth yeah. it to try to do this? I want to print this one out as an experiment, but it's one I would probably have to set up like overnight and check it in the morning. So, that, you yeah, know, it's for sure. <laughs> so because the garage is where I've got it set up and that's a room we use. And while you're printing, you can't go in there with like without like a respirator mask because the fumes are irrit- will irritate your lungs and it's bad for you. It's just like imagine um, imagine working with uh, with like Forge World resin, like sanding or drilling, only it's liquid and airborne. Yeah. So. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's, fine. It, it's a it's a whole thing. I think like uh uh Uncle Adam over at Tabletop Minions just did a live stream like last week where he talked about I cut a hole in the wall of my house for my 3D printer so I could vent all the toxins out into outside. So it's like again, not a casual hobby. So no. <laughs> and and besides that, uh, other than printing, I've been working on painting up uh like all my remaining death guard. So like I'm in the getting all the base colors done before I p- apply a lot of Agrax earth shade and, and make them all nice and pro- appropriately grimy. Fortunately I have pots of the old Agrax earth shade. So I don't have to worry about buying a bunch of new smaller pots before I uh, get started, but focusing on my terminators first, cause Blight Lord terminators are fantastic now. So, but yeah, that is me as far as hobby progress. I haven't done hardly anything. Um, my hobby progress has been I picked up a box of squats and assembled them, and I bought the Chaos Marine Codex and read through it. Um, I haven't done anything else. Buying a house takes up a lot of time. <laughs> it does. Yes, yes it does. Yes. Been there. <clears throat> yeah. Do we? Okay. We, Dennis, you're you're probably going to take a while. You want to get me out of the okay. way first? I- I'll I'll let you jump in then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks. But like, yeah, I. I, we just know you're you've got a project going, so we'll we'll talk <laughs> yeah. about that for a bit. So let me uh, just say that I've put together another ten beast snagger boys, um, and I have uh, I started putting together the uh, Vindicare assassin that came from the Warhammer Plus 
uh, subscription. And like I'm, I'm pretty much planning on kind of assembly painting him because I've got basically his body on the little stand thing. And then I think I'm gonna, I think I might actually for the first time, like prime the other parts just right on the sprue. Whoa. (laughs) And, and then like cut them out and touch it up and, and paint like the statue that goes around him separately yeah the way that model's designed there's no way you can assemble it and then paint it like you will miss huge swaths of the model (laughs) yeah yeah and then i i laid a little bit of paint down on gasgol so just kind of progress is being made yep got 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 a little bit of green on on his face, and uh, started paint, painting in some some red spots here and there. And it it it's gonna it's gonna be a while, and that's <laughs> but the that's, results will be worth it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me on hobby progress. Okay, well for me, I have not. Well, I guess I did put things together. I, I finished putting together all of the Chaos Knights, and so I can actually consider that an army now, since I have uh, three Titanics and four um, War Dogs. And even though I've still got two more War Dogs, I want to put together that I have a box for. So, yeah, I'm liking Knights. That's kind of sad, but it, they're fun. I'll just say that. Um, and then with Warzone Nephilim coming out, I was like, I have so many armies. Some of my armies aren't actually getting the love and play time. So in honor of the new rule set coming out and to try and learn it air quote quickly and dust off, dust off some of the armies I haven't played in a long time. I built a 2000 lit point list for 10 factions. And then I decided, well, I I just said, I want to have them play each other. So I said, well, do I do a little tournament? Do I do a little thing? And I said, no, it's good to practice against factions since back in when we were all in the same location, we'd play against each other and that's how we kind of learned the other factions by playing against them. So right. I said, well, I'll do round robin. I'll have all of the factions play all the other factions. And so I set up a little matrix to do that. And over the past two weeks, I've gotten the first round done. So every faction has played a single game. I started out with, um, Space Wolves versus Slanesh. And that actually surprised me because Slanesh just went through and mopped up the Space Wolves. Um, I was not expecting that, to be honest. I thought the Space Wolves would have had the, – the armor would have survived. I mean, to be fair, the Slanesh, the Demonettes, oh, they, they folded. The Space Wolves just tore through them. But it was the greater demons like Zerachniel, um, uh, Silkesh, the Keeper of Secrets that just – they're hard to take down and they just slaughtered everything in melee. So yeah, those greater demons are, are pretty greater. Um, then I went to another matchup I just wanted to see, which was Eldari versus Yanari. And I wanted to see the avatar and the incarn fight. Uh, that didn't happen. But, um, once again, it, it seemed like characters and the bigger units, like the seem to be the swing points. If you could take down a character, it swung things in your favor greatly. Um, and yeah, the avatar was still just a reign of destruction. I had the incarn come in, in the Eldar backlines and, oh, it, it tore through there, but then they were both pretty weakened by the time they got up close to each other. And the, um, incarn just smited the avatar to death. 
<laughs> and then, thankfully, a Eldar Farseer came around the corner and then smited the, the Incarn to death. So, smite is still powerful. Um, and so that, that was a lot of fun. Although, I still have problems remembering rules. Like that entire first turn of that game, I did not use Strands of Fate for either army. So, or f- battle round, I guess I should say. And I was like, oh, well, at least it's fair that both, both armies forgot to use it. So, but then I used it for the other remaining rounds. So it's, it's a learning experience. It's kind of hard as you're playing through two different armies that have different rule sets while you're trying to remember all the rules and special things for both sides. But it just means the game's kind of, the prep work takes a while. And then if I forget things, I just forget things. Then I make notes, mental notes after the game of, okay, well, here's, I can do this. And it's kind of like playing another player because, well, if you forget things, you'll, you'll kind of go over after the game. Oh, I forgot this. Oh, I forgot this. So, I mean, I'm kind of getting that out of the way. Uh, third game was my Imperium game, Sisters Custodes. And, Sisters started off really strong. They had all the bodies, so they got board control. They did all that. Um, and normally it's as custodes die, they lose things, but the sisters could not take out units. Uh, cause I had multiple custodes with like one or two wounds. I had like the praetors down to one, wo- one model with one wound, but the sisters could not finish things off. And by the end, their losses started mounting up where the custodes took back the board. And ended up um, taking that game. And I will say on a lot of these, I have been using the new um, secondaries in chapter approved. And I really like them. I I like the changes they made for the faction ones. Because like like sisters, your your defend the shrine used to be the opponent chose the point. And now it's like, oh, you choose the point. Oh, that's so much better. Custodes have a really nice one called Might of Terra where if you kill something and none of your custodes die, you get four victory points. And that might change in future games of custodes dying. But like I said in this one, the sisters could not finish off units. So thus custodes weren't dying. And I was able to score that a lot. I think they maxed that point one out. So that was fun. Then the other Eldar ish fight between um, Harlequins and Drukari. It was a bloodbath because both of them were, I, because you guys know my Dracari. I'm not into the the racks or the homunculi covens much. I'm mostly witches. I, and I use Lilith. And it was like, Lilith got to fight the solitaire. And that was great. Even though neither one killed the other one. <laughs> so, <laughs> Lilith then backed off to go kill a shadow seer because she can, she can back off and still fight. Um, and I needed the assassination points. And the poor solitaire then had 10... Um, blood brides come over and take him out because yeah he can survive a lot but not not that many attacks um right harlequin jet bikes are still amazing the fact that they can advance and charge and they can go so far they get off first turn charges unless you play a little back which i didn't because i i, I wanted to get an assault too and thankfully, the raiders and stuff kind of prevent it. So, I mean, oh, yeah, the jet bikes could destroy the raider. Okay, look, everyone's out of it now. Now we assault you. So it it was a little give and take there. Um, although I built the transport-heavy Dark Eldar list, and those haywire cannons just lit those vehicles up. Um, 
I'm very curious to see what the Haywire Cannons do when they face the Knights, because that could be rather interesting. I'll have to probably play a little further back and make sure the Haywires get all the shots off, because um, that'll be interesting. And then I finished it out for the round one with Imperial Knights, Chaos Knights, just to see how the two Knight factions would play each other. And I will say, I like both armies. I mean, we talked about the honor point system and and the bondsman systems. N- I really like them. They give strategy to the knights where you have to kind of have your things positioned. And I mean, so that way I could like do the bondsman ability. And then I had the, I guess, story, the tale that lets me bounce the bondsman ability six more inches to another armager. So I could get that one twice. And and that makes a difference. So you're kind of planning out where you put your knights and it's a lot more cerebral than just put them on the table and shoot. Um, mm-hmm. We also talked about how honor points were tough to get, but there is a relic you can take and a warlord trait you can take, both that let you start with an extra uh, or start with an honor point. So like that that army I've got starting with two. I mean, you do lose an honor point when each of those characters that has the relic or the warlord trait die, but by then you should have at least gained one to stay honorable, which is really all you want to be to get those bonuses. I mean, you can try to get up to chivalrous, but I mean, you have to build specifically. I am going for honor only. And but I will say though, the, the oaths you take did make me play a little differently because like there's an oath where if I have people in engagement range, I have to charge or I lose an honor. But if I charge, I gain an honor. So I charge rather than shoot. Or rather than do an action, that's what it was. Rather than do an action, I, I said, well, I'll just shoot and charge because I'll do that. But there's also, like, one of your secondaries gives you an action that can get an honor point. And looking through the codex after the game, if you destroy a titanic um, vehicle with a knight in melee, you can spend a CP to get an honor point. So th- there's there's ways to get them. And so that was neat. Um, on the chaos side, knights with psychic powers are awesome. I tried out psychic interrogation for the, the knights. And it, well, I'm going to say it worked okay until my, my knights. I got it off three times in the game because there were knight characters on the other side. And since knights don't, can't deny, I didn't have to worry about ever really losing that. The powers I'm still not sure about other than the one that gives you like feel no pain for whoever casts it. And then if you roll high enough, you get feel no pain on the armagers around it. That is really cool. Um, so it can be very useful. And uh, that one, I think, was the one that, well, no surprise, ended the earliest. Uh, I think we ended at top of three or something. It was it was super, super bloody because, um, well, they're blowing each other up. I kind of wish knights could stand back and shoot, but with as spread out as objective markers are, and since I'm using US Open Train, with as rare as some of the firing lanes are, because you can kind of put yourself in cover it's shooting is kind of hard unless you get in those open spots and you can't really castle up if you've got i mean if you have enough units you can castle up but the armagers especially on the imperial knight side have to be close to their bondsmen to get those bonuses and so thus i have to push up with them and also well knights for knights you want to be in melee to ignore their invon saves so Whoever gets into melee swings first normally won those too. So it, it it was a lot about positioning and um who's getting off the attacks. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. I learned a lot and 
I think I want to keep this project going. And now I've got, I guess, as I said on the Matrix, five of my 45 games done because each army would play nine times or no, eight times. Uh, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, nine because you don't play and I've got 10 armies. Yeah. So, so I have to play what 90 games? 80, no, 80, 40, 45, 45 games because each one plays nine, but then it once you. You've played somebody. They've that's played true. You. They'd yeah, fair enough. So yeah, forty five yeah. games. That, that's that, okay. I mean, and if I think if I could get like five games done every two weeks, that's I think a doable goal. Yeah. And I've kind of set up a table. I mean, the table's blocking the space where I used to get to my laundry. So, but thankfully, it's it's really easy to take the train off, take the boards off, and and dismantle it, and then put it back up for when I want to play. So it's not too bad, but. I figured it would be kind of fun to let you guys determine what um, matchups you would like to see for round two, and then maybe round three have the listeners chime in and see which matchups they would love to see for round three, and then we can just go from there. So you guys know my armies pretty much, so but we will have to probably post them for the, the others, even though I kind of made a list. So what would you guys like to see matchup-wise, or hear about, I guess, since you're not watching? <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's mm. always the classic Asriani versus Drukari, you know, Grudge okay. Match. You've had, yeah. you've, you've had the Inari, now let's yep. have, like, a pure Drukari army go up against the Asriani. Okay. Um, well, there's one. Eight I, more factions I think, to go. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting to see, like, Harlequins against Imperial Knights, because it's such oh, okay. a completely, like, asymmetrical matchup, like, just completely different styles. I think that yeah, would be interesting Har- to see. Harlequins will still have to expand to get to the the points and control things and try and take down the knights with um, the haywire. I think yeah. they're going to have to avoid melee, which is going to be yeah interesting <laughs> because Harlequins are really built for melee. Yeah. Okay. So there's two. Um, in, along those lines, how about uh, Chaos Knights versus Custodes? Can okay. Custodes take down knights in melee? And do you have... Or do you bring the, the Orion gunship to try to deal no. with them? <laughs> it could not kill anything. You guys know that. The Orion gunships, it's it's horrible. I, I love it's the such model. A cool model. Yeah. But yeah. Nope. And this is one I will be interested in too, because I do have the Knight Centura and two um units of um prosecutors. So I've got the Sisters of Silence on the board to create those null zones. Mm-hmm. So you could actually counter those psychic abilities. Right. And it would be also and interesting to see how, like, using more of, like, the Harbingers of Doom track to maybe affect infantry, where you didn't really have that against the or against Imperial right. Knights. Yeah, I, I went down the darkness one to get um, minus to hit, because, um, yeah, that because uh, once knights get wounded, they hit less. And if they put that, they get hit less. But by the And it was back and forth so much, but any advantage you can get, you need to try to take. <laughs> right. Okay, so then got two more pairings to go. Let's see. That leaves us with what? Sisters? Yep. Um, Sisters, Slanesh, Space Wolves. Space Wolves. And, well, Space Wolves can't face Slanesh because they already Slanesh, played. Slanesh, right. Right. So we've, I guess that puts Sisters versus Slanesh. And yeah, that Space was actually Wolves the one I was going to. Yeah, Sisters versus Slanesh was actually what I was going to suggest anyway. So Okay. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go, to be honest. I don't, from, from the last experience, I don't know they'll have enough power, firepower to take out those demons, the greater demons. 
the little yes. the demonettes oh yeah they'll they'll slaughter um we'll just have to see how well the paragon war suits shoot versus how well um they make their saves because i mean i've always poo-pooed the four the five up in bones but man i was making them so <laughs> you hate them until you love them <laughs> you know it's that kind of thing well that, that's the thing is I, I love that i make them but i hate that i make them because i mean i'm both armies <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah and it'll be interesting to see like do you take more in that list or celestine oh yeah i've got or? i've yes and yes i've got more yes and celestine yes and, and a, a palatine and the palatine hangs out with the sacrosants so they can actually be a little more efficient in the charges it's just those greater demons are just super nasty, especially yeah. Zeratniel. Yeah, so- I thought, I mean, I-, I thought she would just be over- still overpriced at four hundred, but no, she was she was just wrecking things. And also, I got to use the the psychic ability to fight again in the psychic phase, and that's kind of sick and wrong. And I, I loved it, except the space wolves mm-hmm. hated it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, th- I think that'll be an interesting set of matchups. And so yeah, uh, we've already told you earlier in the episode how to send us listener mail. So we would love to hear. And and as we get cl- as you finish up these games, we will post a list of like what armies are there and who they've already faced. So uh, yeah, for round three, listeners, if you have ideas on who you would like to see, Dennis have two like dennis will have two of his armies square off against each other we will put those up to votes for you so uh we'll see that coming up in the next you said these games will take you what a couple of weeks to probably probably yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean i I had some free time this week so I, i was able to like churn out games pretty fast but i think on a normal schedule it'll probably be about two weeks hopefully to get the five games in Mm-hmm. So, Lucky so yeah. So by the time we two weeks, yeah. I know, so by the time we have our next episode, <laughs> we'll be ready for the next set of pairings. So um, we will get that up sooner rather than later. And that takes us to the morale phase. I don't know if there's been any like new games or property, like media properties. I've really been taking a lot of part in. Like we we had the end of Obi Wan, which was yep. really good. I was really pleased with that. Um. Strange New World, Star Trek Strange New Worlds has been consistently good. I don't think yeah. they've had a bad episode yet, and the last one was really good. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed it. It it really kind of puts in I actually in, enjoyed for the most part like both seasons of Picard. But like seeing like the last season of Picard which, you know, had some things that I didn't particularly care for exactly but overall like i still kind of liked it but like seeing that and then immediately going into pretty much strange new worlds and like kind of seeing the contrast between like this story-based you know long like arc of one big story versus like the very episodic like adventure show that strange new worlds is like yeah i i can see how like star trek fans didn't like picard that makes sense because it's a totally different show Mm -hmm. yeah well it helps that these episodic you know these particular episodes they've all been really solid like they haven't 
really i mean i and i imagine there are going to be episodes that appeal to some people more than others but like they're hitting a lot of like classic star trek tropes they're leaning into like the continuity of the original series without feeling constrained by it if that makes sense like they they feel like they're free to do their own thing with like some basic things like yeah spock won't die or yeah uh or, you know, Captain Pike is going to end up in a beep chair. That's actually very well established in both Discovery and in Strange New Worlds. But at the same time, it doesn't, even knowing that, it doesn't make the sense of peril that they're in the situations they get in feel any less perilous. Yeah. And I think it also manages to not fall into the prequel trap of and here's the story of how he got this and here's the story of how he got that and wink wink isn't that cool haha it's just letting the character like telling the more stories with the characters just at different points in their lives which is really good yeah i i like the one of my favorite things a little bit of a spoiler for the first episode it like the the uh, crew member that doesn't show up on time and is named Kirk and isn't <laughs> the Kirk James Tiberius. Although they have cast a James Tiberius Kirk, so we're getting him. I think for the second season, they're getting. Uh, yeah, we are getting a Kirk, but they haven't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not I know they've been greenlit, but yeah, but a Kirk who isn't in command yet should be interesting too. Yes, and. Sam Kirk is even a reference to the original series because he was the Kirk brother who was attacked by the flying uh, omelet in the original series, like the parasite omelet. (laughs) Nice. And who was also played as a dead guy by William Shatner. So we we are getting a, a... We are going to be getting his brother, Kirk. We just haven't seen him played by the new actor yet but he it is coming so it'll be interesting to see how this all all ends up playing out but but yeah no i i have really like i need to watch the newest season of discovery yet i've watched the first three um i have not watched any of picard and yeah most things i've heard is like i could safely miss the second season and not feel too bad about it yeah um and but i i am totally here for for strange new worlds and it is easily the best looking star trek series ever as well like even better looking than the stuff in discovery it's just really nice. really solid it's, so, it it yeah. does a nice job of making a current star trek show but still having the retro star trek kind of aesthetic like acknowledged but not so firmly adhered to that it just looks old if that mm-hmm. makes sense no it's it's this really good it's this really good fusion of like new design choice but like older aesthetic so like the technology doesn't look completely out of place but also yeah it would just look weird if they slavishly tried to have it look exactly the way it looked when they produced the series in the 60s as though there have been no technical advancements in the last you know 50 years <laughs> right. in like you know like last 60 years on our planet or 
or in uh, in the far future, they're like everyone is still using '60s era technology. Yeah. So yeah, no. Uh, if if you are at all a Star Trek fan and you have not had a chance to catch Strange New Worlds, and I think we may have talked about it before on the sh- on, on the show, but you know what? I'll talk about it again. It's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun. It's super good. It's only available on Paramount Plus, but uh, it's I I would say it's worth the price of admission just to watch watch that series if nothing else. Yeah, like much in the same way that like the Marvel Star Wars stuff kind of is enough to like draw you into like Disney Plus. If you're a Star Trek fan, Paramount Plus is worth it just for the price. You know, the price just for the Star Trek stuff. But there's also a ton of other stuff on there. I love Paramount Plus because they have a ton of, like, global soccer. So, like, on a Saturday morning, I'll just sit there and I'll just watch the Italian League, the Scottish League, like, the South American Leagues um, on Paramount Plus all day. So, I think it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, like, I haven't watched, there's a second season of it, but uh, The Lower Decks... Is the, oh, the Lord Dex. Yeah. Both Lord seasons Dex of that are great. Yeah. Now, that is definitely much more of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, look at all the references we've thrown in series. Right. Yeah. But it's a comedy. It's a broad comedy, so it yep. works. <laughs> I mean, really, it's the closest thing to what if Rick and Morty, but in Star Trek. And mm-hmm. I'm so, and I'm also here for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's. Both of those series, and I know, uh, I know, uh, Lower Decks has been greenlit for a third season, and Strange New Worlds is greenlit for a second. I want to say Discovery, which Discovery has a rough start, but like seasons two and three, it really does find itself. And I would also recommend watching season two of Discovery as a lead in to season one of Strange New Worlds. So, also very good. So, uh, so yeah, Paramount Plus streaming Star Trek stuff, very, very, very good. And it also includes all the old Star Trek and I think all the Star Trek movies, too. So it's like, if yeah. you are even remotely a Star Trek fan, having all of it available is very good. Yeah, they they recently re- did a uh, 4K restoration of uh, the original motion picture, which is absolutely worth watching. I know a lot the of people don't like that picture. film because... I know a lot of people don't like the motionless picture, but I I fucking love it. So <laughs> it's uh, I mean it's not a good movie, but it's no, it's, it's not a neat movie. <laughs> well, yeah. see, you said they upgraded to 4K. Now the next one is upgrade to 40K. Wouldn't that be a neat uh, relevant? 40K. <laughs> I was thinking of that line in uh, in Futurama. But this is high def TV. It has higher resolution than the real world. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if anything is really gained by taking that movie into 4K. I mean, I imagine it would just make the effects look worse. Well, they, like, they 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 redid the effects too. Like they updated okay, okay. and kind of modernized the effects. Which honestly, that's the part that's worth it because the effects don't look okay. nearly as cheesy as they used to. Okay, that, I think that's it's worth fair. watching. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I would have to. I would have to watch that thing because it's no, like. Yeah. There was a 4K remaster, like an ultra high def remaster of uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy, for what it's worth, uh, released recently. I don't have an ultra high, like high def Blu-ray player, so I haven't watched it. But I've watched enough of the, like I've watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy on high def, and some of the effects don't quite land right. Like some of it's 
like you can tell it was made for film projection and not high def yes. TV projection. And so it, I'm like, I hope they remastered some of that too for ultra high def. It, it's far less noticeable in the Lord of the Rings because they did a lot of practical effects and they did a lot of like, you know, prop work. So it just, it, it holds up better. It, the Hobbit looks really bad. <laughs> like the Hobbit looks really bad when you put it in the high frame rate, like, you know, that they did when they were originally released. Was that it the tel- because it's, <laughs> what was that referred to as the yeah. telenovela mode? <laughs> yeah. And like it, the, the idea with the higher frame rate is you get a crisper picture because you're getting more images on screen. So you can see more details. And like, in theory, high frame rate's not a problem. The problem is you can very much tell with all of the higher definition that people are holding like foam prop weapons and like uh just the makeup wasn't the makeup and the the costume design and stuff has not caught up with the high frame rate or like the high definition stuff. And it that's the movie where you could really tell that like, oh no, this doesn't work. It surprisingly holds up better on the original Lord of the Rings films because there's less of a mixture of like, will you CGI to cover it? So things look more realistic. Uh, I don't know. It's there's a lot of problems with the Hobbit movies and that's just one of them. (laughs) I'm still stuck back on my idea now. Just every time a Star Trek ship goes into the warp, they actually go through the warp. And, uh, yeah, Star Trek 40K. I, I kind of want to see it now. <laughs> um, that that's basically Event Horizon. Yeah, and uh, also a, it's a good movie. <laughs> I I know we've talked about Event Horizon before, but I, I I was listening to another podcast and they they mentioned Event Horizon specifically and that it's a 40K prequel movie. They described it as a great movie that nobody should ever watch because it's not good. <laughs> like. It's a, a great movie that I cannot recommend to anybody. <laughs> I'm like, that's I mean, amazing. they're not wrong. They're not wrong. It's not yeah. wrong. <laughs> it's a good, bad movie, basically. It is a good, bad movie. <laughs> and on that note, I think we'll finish up this episode of uh, Preferred Enemies. This has been episode 262, 263. I don't know what we're going to be talking about. I guess we'll, maybe the aftermath of some of Dennis's new mat- game matchups and maybe – you know, a little bit more review of like gameplay in the in the Nephilim uh, environment. I might also steal your idea, Dennis, and play some it's, of my it's, armies. It's against really each other. fun. I mean, as I kind of mentioned to Kevin, I know he had a different take on it, but I'm like, hey, I'm playing against someone at my skill level every game. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, you know, you'll never cheat or screw yourself over. So. That's true. <laughs> if you do cheat, you have only yourself to blame for not catching it and reporting it to the judge, who is also you. <laughs> Can you red card yourself? Do you kick yourself out of your apartment? Is that how this works? I don't. I don't. No, but thankfully, since it's my apartment, I, I can take breaks and come back to the game after like lunch break or hour doing something else. And so it's it's nice leisurely games. Man, my opponent That's did nice. something that pissed me off. So now I, I have to go and stew, but he won't leave me alone. <laughs> He's following me around everywhere. Ah. <laughs> But yes, we'll get back to that and more in our next episode. But until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Uh, good night, good gaming, and uh, yeah, it's time for a dark reflection of, of uh, regular Space Marines.
Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.